You're listening to Star Wars The Saga Continues. Your hosts, Kyle Avery and Tim Jirasi, are scouring the Holonet for news and bringing you all of the latest updates on the future of the Star Wars universe. And the future is bright indeed, so we invite you to join us on this exciting journey as the saga continues. Always in motion is the future. This is just the beginning. You'll find I'm full of surprises. It's not over yet. No. There is another. Hey there, Star Wars fans. You're listening to episode 39 of Star Wars The Saga Continues, your podcast for all things related to Star Wars Episode 7, all the latest news and rumors, and uh, also additional information on Star Wars Rebels and Star Wars video games and 8, 9 and spinoff movies and all that kind of cool stuff. Um, we got lots of stuff to talk about this week. And as always, I'm your host, Kyle, and I've got my co-host, Tim, with me. How's it going, Tim? Hey, Kyle. Doing good. This episode, I think, is going to be almost the opposite to our last episode, where we had tons of great official news to talk about. But for this one, there's tons and tons of rumors that we got to talk about. So it's different from talking official stuff, but I think it's going to be just as fun. Because half the fun of waiting for episode seven is speculating and digesting all these rumors that we're getting. So should have some good discussions, that's for sure, on this episode. Yeah, we definitely have tons of rumors going around regarding story and characters and schedules and injury delays and all that kind of stuff. Um, and we've had, I think it's been about three weeks or so since our last episode, we've had a ton of stuff coming out and we wanted to get on and record sooner, um, and, you know, cover some of this stuff as it was going around, but I've been super busy recently, actually just got a full-time job that kind of dropped out of nowhere. I just got a call from someone who was looking for a video editor and someone else had told them about me and given them my contact info. And so now I've got a job, which is great. I love it, but I wasn't expecting or planning on it you know at the moment so um suddenly all these rumors were coming out and i was like i'm at work and can't really keep up with this stuff as much as i usually do so i'm going to kind of let tim take the lead on this one because he's been uh, sort of having more of an ear to the ground with all these rumors and stuff going on i've been aware of most of them and i've seen uh you know a lot of them sort of pop up on websites and stuff but i haven't read as much of the uh the in-depth reports it's just kind of been the the headlines and the summaries that i've read so uh tim's a little bit more up to speed on this and so uh tim's going to go ahead and uh, sort of take us through all the stories and everything and then i'll just sort of give my commentary on them as we go and we'll uh you know do our usual discussion and debunking and uh you know have a good time getting into these rumors and speculations here yeah i'll be uh i'll beat up my status as co-host really on this one <laughs> providing more of the information that's, that's what i'm here for kyle i got your back yeah i'm letting my co-pilot fly the ship for yeah. <laughs> so if this episode crash and burns you have me to blame <laughs> oh i will blame you <laughs> if we survive <laughs> but, i got your promise now not a scratch <laughs> <laughs> just get going you pirate <laughs> but man we got to start off with not a rumor, but something that spawned tons of rumors. I mean, this happened right before our last episode got posted, where uh, Harrison Ford suffered an injury on the set of Episode 7. I mean, Kyle, did this even pop to your head that this <laughs> something like this would happen? Because, yeah, there's always a possibility of injuries on the set while making a movie, but for some reason, the idea of somebody getting hurt on a Star Wars movie, let alone one of the main cast, never thought, never entered my mind. It's not, yeah, it didn't even concern myself with it, but Man, once I did hear it, 
I oh, I panicked. Really. I was like, oh man, what's this? What does this mean? Is Harrison Ford okay? What does this mean for the movie? Is going to get delayed? What about this role in the movie? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? We need to know. I need to know what's happening. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, but the days went on and the weeks went on. Really, we started to get more information and things were changing, and we're getting certain updates. But what's been reported at first was that he got set hurt on the set of The Falcon, where now this is what hasn't been confirmed, if it was The Falcon or if it was like a sliding door that crushed his leg or if it was a lift from The Falcon when it was lifting up, his leg got caught in there. So I don't think it has been confirmed that he was hurt on The Falcon, but regardless, regardless, he is hurt and his leg was broken. Before it was reported that it was his ankle, but then different reports said, oh, it's actually his leg and then that it's going to be out for we don't know when we don't know when he's going to be out. Then it went from two months. Then we've heard six months of rehab. We've heard reports that he has to go back to uh, the U.S. to rehab it. So tons of different conflicting reports on this. But I just just to start off. I mean, what was your reaction when you heard it, Kyle? Because like I said, I was real nervous and started having a panic attack almost. But what did you think when you first heard about it? Um, well, I wouldn't quite say I was having a panic attack. I, I was kind of worried about it and. Um, I mean, when you were saying, you know, this was something that never even crossed your mind. I mean, yeah, it wasn't really something that crossed my mind either. But then, like, when it happened, I guess it wasn't super shocking. Like, I mean, it was surprising. Obviously, it's an un- it's an un- it's unfortunate, and I wasn't, like, expecting this to happen or anything. But, I mean, actors get hurt on movies sometimes. Um, I think either, like, on the Avengers or one of the Iron Man movies, Robert Downey Jr. got injured, and they had to delay that for a little while or something. And so... I mean, yeah, it's not usually something that you expect, but it is something that happens. But this does seem to be one of the more serious cases that we've heard recently, because um, it seems like every now and then I'll hear, you know, so and so, you know, hit their head or sprain their ankle or something, and they have to take like a few days off or maybe a week or two. Um, but yeah, it's this is like one of those rumors that keeps getting worse and worse. Because yeah. first it was like he injured his ankle, and we're like, uh oh, hope it's not serious. And then they're like, he broke his ankle, and I was like, uh oh, it's serious. And then they're like, he broke his leg, and he's gonna have to go to back to the U.S. for six months of rehab. And I'm like, crap, I hope that's just a rumor. Um, which it seems like it might be because we just saw some leaked pictures today of. Uh, Harrison Ford in London and he's still I mean he's been out of the hospital for I guess a few days now um because they posted his his representatives or somebody posted a statement you know when he got out of surgery saying that it was successful and he's recovering and all that kind of stuff so I would think if he needed to come back to the U.S. for rehab he probably would have you know been on a plane back by now so if he's still in London I'm hopeful that you know he's staying there and that it won't take too long you know that it won't be like a full six months or something for recovery because that seems like a long time yeah um but especially i mean sometimes athletes have really serious injuries that it takes them like months to come back from but he just needs to be able to walk on this and act he doesn't need to be able to you know sprint with a football or something like that but um i mean then again i don't know maybe when you're 70 something years old like he is maybe that takes longer to heal or something so um, I mean, obviously, you know, I wish him all the best and hope that uh, he makes a full recovery and I wouldn't want him to try to rush back from it and get back on the set and then injure himself again. But, um, I mean, you know, at the same time as fans, obviously, we're all hoping that this isn't really as bad as some of the rumors are making it seem to be and that, uh, you know, of course, we're hoping the movie stays on track and doesn't fall apart because of this. 
I mean, obviously, you know, it's not going to completely fall apart and they're going to have to cancel it or anything. There are ways to work around it. But there are also rumors coming out that, um, you know, maybe they're going to have to delay the release or maybe they're going to have to rewrite his part and uh, sort of give him a, a lesser role so that he won't have to do as much filming and they can have some of the other characters kind of carry some more of the weight in terms of story. Um, and of course that's all unfortunate because that's something I've had to deal with in making my own star Wars movie was having to rewrite stuff because an actor got injured. And I mean, it, you know, it sucks when you have a a film and a script that you think is going to be really good and you're happy with it. And then you have to change it and you're like, okay, well this is still good, but it's not what I originally wanted to do. And so, um, you know, I'm just hoping that at this point they still are able to, to make it work to where they're able to, um, you know, make the original version of the film that they intended. Yeah, and the biggest concern is really, like you mentioned, his age. I mean, he's in his 70s now, and from all reports are saying, it's a pretty serious injury that he had with broken his, where his leg's broken. And like you were mentioning those photos that came out, when you look at uh, the leg brace that he has on, it's not your typical just leg in a cast. Like we are talking about earlier before we started recording, you mentioned how it's something that looks like someone where his leg was amputated would wear, but it's something that just makes it look like, yeah, it's pretty serious. And the big concern that everyone's having and talking about online is what effect is this going to have on the movie? I mean, there's reports saying that their Lucasfilm is scrambling what to do and that J.J. Uh, Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy have actually requested that the movie get passed or get uh, pushed back to May 2016 instead of the December 2015 date but there's reports saying that disney's not going to allow that they're pretty uh set to their 25th december 2015 release date so that doesn't look like it's going to happen and at the same time too if it's not going to be pushed back the one thing i really don't want to see is any changes to the script because we really as star wars fans we just want to see the movie that they have intended not anything's altered and they had to make changes out of necessity just for harrison ford because all the rumors of saying previously was that he's supposed to be one of the main characters, if not the main character for the whole movie. So that's why there's some speculation. Maybe there's going to be some rewrites to the script just to maybe write his character to have a less part than used to. And another rumor was coming out that, um, I think this was coming from the New York Post actually, where that Oscar Isaac's role might be expanded because of this. And the rumor to that was, oh, he's actually going to be playing the son of Han Solo. And because of that, they'll just give him a bigger role in the movie instead of Harrison Ford. So still all these conflicting reports coming out. And then we're hearing also too, that no changes have been made to the script at all. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff to kind of take in and just filter through because nothing official has been announced yet, except for the fact that he did break his leg and that he had successful surgery. So a lot of the stuff we're just going to have to take with a grain of salt right now and not really take it as official word, but Still, it's still going to make you wonder until we get some official announcement either from Lucasfilm or Disney to what's going to happen with the production for Episode 7 now because of this. But if I had to choose, I mean, I would, much as I hate to say it, because we're all looking forward to this movie, I would rather see it get pushed back if it absolutely needs to and not have any changes at all to the story. That's the one thing I don't want to see any changes whatsoever to the script just because of this injury. Because we were talking about this. Uh, a few days ago, Kyle, where we'd be sitting in the movie theater seeing a movie that just might not be what they had intended. And if there's certain things that maybe didn't work out as well, in the back of our heads, we'd be thinking, yeah, if only we could have seen the movie that they had planned where Harrison Ford's the main character. I just don't want to have that doubt or the what-if scenario when seeing this movie. Just Hopefully, 
just things will work out in the end. They'll be able to get through this, uh, shuffle around some uh, shooting dates and the schedules that they had planned, and just kind of shoot his scenes later. Or I'm sure they'll they have tons of smart people working on this, so they're gonna come up with the best scenario. But as long as the story that they had intended is what ends up going onto the screen when we're seeing it, that's all I'm hoping for, really. Yeah, and I completely agree with you there. I mean, as much as I'm looking forward to seeing this movie around Christmas time next year, and I don't, you know, don't really want them to delay it because that's more time. We got to wait to see more Star Wars, which we're all excited about. But yeah, like you said, I would much rather see the original version of the film that they intended and the best version of it, really, because I mean, heck, if for some reason they're sitting around trying to think of a way to to rewrite it to reduce Harrison Ford's part and they come up with something and go, wow, you know, we never thought of this and we weren't planning on it, but this actually makes the movie better, then sure. But, you know, I just want them to make the best movie they can make. So, I mean, if the best version of the film is the one that they originally wrote, then, yeah, I hope they can make that happen um, at any cost and not have to, uh, you know, make changes to, um, you know, obviously adjust for this delay. Um, because yeah, like you said, we'll just be sitting there in the theater going, you know, yeah, this is good, but could it have been better? I mean, especially if there are parts of it that, uh, you know, aren't as good as we hoped. Like if it's, if it's one of those movies where you can kind of tell, like there are some movies where you can tell that they, change screenwriters or change directors during production or they had to go back and reshoot some stuff or that things weren't really, you know, things didn't really go as planned um, because there will be some good parts and some not so good parts and it'll feel kind of inconsistent. And I really don't want that to happen in the Star Wars. Now, like you said, they've got some smart people working on this and I'm sure that J.J. Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy and everybody else involved are going to do the best they can to, to work around it. So I'm not too worried about it feeling you know, loose or incomplete or, uh, you know, really low quality if they have to make changes to it. But still, um, yeah, we, we really would love to see the, uh, the best version of the film possible and the one that they originally intended to. And if there is anything in there that sort of, um, you know, doesn't live up to people's expectations. Like this is Star Wars big return or, you know, big return to the big screen after so many years. And, um, you know, we wanted to to sort of have that triumphant return and not really have like that black mark on the record of, uh, you know, well, yeah, this is pretty good, but it was supposed to be better. But then this happened. And obviously, like, it's nobody's fault. It's not like Harrison Ford got mad and walked off the set and they had to scramble to, you know, replace him or something like that. It's, you know, just an unfortunate accident. And that happens sometimes. But at the same time, it's like you don't want this to be the movie that people make fun of sort of like the Phantom Menace and, you know, the, the not so hardcore fans are like, Oh, that movie's not that great. And then all the fans, you know, some of us more hardcore fans are like, yeah, well, it should have been better, but this happened and they couldn't do this and that. And so, um, yeah, it's just like whatever they can do to, to keep the original vision of the film intact. Hopefully they're able to do that. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, when this news first broke out a few weeks ago, I talked to a few people saying, it's cool that it actually happened on the Falcon and that it's, uh, he got, he might have gotten hurt, but at least it's on the Falcon. Like, no, there's no good news about this. He's hurt. It's going to delay production. It's going to cause problems. I don't care if it was on the Falcon. This is horrible news. But I just, well, I wouldn't with- say it was good, but I did sort of find some irony in that, especially, <laughs> you know, with the original trilogy and how the Falcon is always busted and Han's always got to fix something on it. I'm like, if anybody, especially any of the original cast members, on the movie are going to get injured. Of course, it's going to be Han Solo having some broken piece <laughs> of the Millennium Falcon fall on him. Like, 
how did we not see that coming? But at the same time, yeah, like you said, it's just really unfortunate, and hopefully they're able to recover from it. And I find the irony in that Harrison Ford was the actor we thought would never come back to Star Wars. And you know how we said in past interviews that I'm done with the character. There's not much more we could do with it. And so he comes back. And what happens, this is probably like the worst injury he's ever suffered while making a movie. I just wonder if he's thinking, great, I agreed to come back to this. And this is what happened. I break my leg. <laughs> but I, I think Harrison Ford is going to have the attitude where he's not going to let this keep him down and stop him. He's probably going to be up uh, back to filming his scenes quicker than what everyone's reporting. I mean, Hopefully he uses caution where he doesn't do it where he shouldn't uh, sooner than he should. But I think he's going to have that mentality where I'm not going to let something like this keep me down. I'm going to work through the pain. Even if I'm not 100%, I'll still make make do and get through what I have to do. I don't think he's going to be sitting there and thinking, oh, I'm just going to wait till I'm fully healed. I'm not going to rush it. I'm just going to, just because of that fact that, oh, it's Star Wars and I got hurt <laughs> making this movie again, I think he's going to have a good attitude towards it. But going back to that whole thing where the re- uh, the possibility of being pushed back or sticking to its release date. As much as I would rather see it, if need be, I don't think it's going to happen either way. I think Disney is pretty set on this uh, date for December because Episode Seven is going to launch a new set of Star Wars movies every year. And if it gets pushed back to May 2016, I think that's going to throw a wrench in their uh, release schedule plans for the standalone movies and possibly Episode Eight. So I think if they do you have to push it back? It's going to take some big convincing on Kathleen Kennedy and J.J. Abrams' part to Disney to get and push it back. Because I think their whole <laughs> structure and plans going forward for their movies for the next few years is hinging on Episode Seven. So it's going to be a big change for them to do that. So I really don't think that's going to happen, no matter how badly they wanted to, and maybe if it really needs it. I just think no matter what, it's going to stick to that confirmed December 18th, 2015 release date. Yeah, and the unfortunate thing there is, I mean, you know, this this makes sense from a business standpoint. And I understand these guys have jobs to do, but I really think, like, if it is true that Harrison Ford is going to need a lot of rehab time and that J.J. Uh, Abrams and Kathleen Kennedy are trying to push for a, a delayed release date, you know, those guys are sort of more concerned with the production of the film, with um, sort of being in touch with the fans and making sure that they deliver the best experience possible, you know, the best film possible. And they want to make sure they do right by star Wars fans. The Disney executives are more concerned about, like you said, their future, uh, you know, budget forecast and sort of their, their business plans and when they have their planned release dates for their films. And I'm sure they've already started, you know, making predictions about how much these movies are going to make and how much they're going to cost and how much money they're going to get for those years. So, yeah, obviously for Disney, this is much more of a money decision and a business decision. And so, again, that's why I'm like, you know, whether or not the the release date ends up getting pushed back, like if it needs to get pushed back, but they won't let them do it, then I really hope they can find some other way to, um, you know, to, to make the movie as good as they were hoping to make it. Because, um, you know, I, also we don't want this to be like the one movie that is pretty good and could have been better, but Disney rushed it and, you know, it was more of a money decision and all this kind of stuff. I mean, we've seen this before even in Star Wars, you know, gaming fans know with uh, Knights of the Old Republic 2, where in some ways that game is better than the original and in other ways it's got some more holes and bugs and glitches and stuff in it that um, the the production team just didn't have time to smooth out because the first game made a lot of money and was really successful. And so 
then, you know, the, the producers and executives were like, okay, we want another one out by Christmas of next year or something like that. And just sort of put them on a real strict timetable and it didn't, uh, you know, they weren't able to complete it to the standards that they wanted to because they had to get it out by a certain date. So hopefully episode seven doesn't suffer from that same thing just because Disney wants to keep their, uh, their production schedule and their money making lineup of star Wars films intact, because I mean, it wouldn't be that big of a blow, at least from my standpoint. I mean, I don't know what they've got going on in their financial offices, but it's like, it's not like this is going to disrupt the whole system. It's just good. I like, I would think it would just push everything back a year and everybody's still going to go see the movies and they're still going to make boatloads of money. So, you know, I don't think it's that big of a deal, but Obviously, I'm not the one making the money or counting the money or anything like that. And would it really be the worst thing in the world if it does get pushed back to May 2016, but we still get the first standalone movie in December 2016 to have two Star Wars movies in one year? I don't think that'll be too bad. <laughs> I don't think it's going to affect one or the other, really. No, not really. But, I mean, then again, for all we know... Oh, no, they did already confirm the, the standalone re- release date for, like, December 16th or something, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. So, I mean, yeah, they could do that. They could do that, too. Exactly. I mean, if need be, it's not the worst thing in the world to have two Star Wars movies in one year. Because <laughs> I also heard like some fan speculation thinking, oh, maybe they should push Episode 7 back and have Episode, or the first standalone movie be the first thing to launch this new era of Star Wars films. But for me as a fan, I think Episode 7 should definitely be the launching point for this new era of Star Wars. And I wouldn't want to see it be the second movie we get to see. Have it be the first one that launches, and if it's in May, great. 2016 or and then have the second standalone movie as just a bonus for that year so either way regardless i guess the main thing to take from all this is we hope harrison ford gets a speedy recovery i mean we're all hoping for the best for him and thankfully it looks like he is going to make a full recovery but it's just don't know the timetable right now we just have to be patient again it's kind of like how we were waiting for things to get confirmed and waiting for official announcements to come. Now we got to wait for an announcement or official report from something we weren't planning on injury updates and reports. So that's another thing we're looking at now with news and rumors. So just another thing to add to the list. The one interesting thing that did come out from this, um, you know, we had heard reports before, you know, rumors that uh, Harrison Ford was going to have the biggest role in the film out of the original three cast members and that he was going to have a role almost as big as the three new leads who everybody's assuming is uh, John Boyega, Daisy Ridley and Oscar Isaac. And, um, you know, we got a little bit more, some more rumored details about uh, Han Solo's role in the film because of this and because of the speculation on, oh, are they going to have to rewrite his part? And maybe Oscar Isaac is going to get a bigger part now to sort of fill Harrison Ford's shoes now that he can't do as much. But uh, I mean, now the, sort of rumored story going around is that um, the plot of the film sort of revolves around Han Solo leading sort of the new trio of younger characters on a search for Luke Skywalker, who is off doing whatever. I mean, I'm assuming that maybe Luke has gone off to fight some new threat or, uh, you know, some threat has emerged in the galaxy that they need Luke's help fighting and he's off doing mystical Jedi stuff and they have to go find him. So, um, you know, if that turns out to be true, I'm like, okay, now I'm kind of intrigued to see like what the what story they had planned around that, because um, obviously it would be more than just Han Solo packing the kids in the car and let's go find Luke. You know, I'm sure this is taking place in the middle of some larger either looming threat or brewing conflict or something like that. 
um, that's either caused Luke to go missing or that's, you know, caused them to need his help for something big. So, um, that was some pretty interesting speculation, although, you know, obviously unfortunate that it had to come out because of, you know, a serious injury like this. But, uh, that was something that kind of got me thinking like, Oh crap, no, he's injured. Oh, but what about this story detail over here? You know, kind of took my mind off that for a little bit and got me thinking about different story possibilities. Yeah. That's the one thing about this injury. It's spawned off a bunch of new rumor reports about story of characters. Like you said, this one about uh, the potential story of them searching for Luke. And this was reported first by uh, Ain't It Cool News. And when I first saw it, I was like, hmm, this could be a pretty interesting story where Luke's missing and they have to search for him. But at the same time, I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I'd want to see that because maybe that means we won't see too much of Luke in the movie. I want to see as much as Luke in this movie as possible. So, but it does lead for some interesting story ideas. If it is true, why is he missing? Is he missing because he was captured and he's being held captive for several years? Or is he off training uh, himself to be a stronger Jedi? And because it's, the training is so intense, he had to become a recluse and to shut himself off from the rest of the galaxy. Or the one thing I know we're talking about this before too, where I don't want to see hopefully is where he just turns into some crazy old uh, man on a planet and no one recognizes <laughs> him. He has like this long hair and beard and he's just crazy and unrecognizable. They have to get his sanity back or something. <laughs> but um, So yeah, it could be pretty interesting to see if this does end up being true, but as long as it doesn't take away from a lot of screen time for Luke, <laughs> that's all I'm hoping for. Yeah. Well, I mean, if this does turn out to be true, on the one hand, yeah, it probably means we wouldn't see a whole lot of Luke in Episode Seven. But at the same time, I mean, of course, we've talked a lot about um, you know speculating on are they gonna how long are they gonna keep around all the old cast members? Are they gonna kill any of them off? And there's been talk about you know Han Solo only being in one movie and Harrison Ford wanting the character to be killed off. And you know we've speculated about Mark Hamill and Luke Skywalker and are they going to kill off Luke just like they did with Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan and that's kind of what happens to the Jedi mentor characters in the Star Wars saga but I think it's pretty safe to assume that if they if the plot of this film does revolve around finding Luke Skywalker and he doesn't appear till you know halfway or towards the end of the movie then I would think slash hope that he would be coming back for more movies and uh you know we'd really get to see him sort of doing his uh, his jedi mentor training with the younger characters so um i i wouldn't worry about that too much in terms of the, the overall trilogy at least um and i'm sure it's going to be one of those things too where if if they do sort of hold back his appearance um then you know it's going to be a pretty big grand entrance when we finally do see him yeah and that's another thing, too, because I would say pretty much a good portion of Star Wars fans were assuming, myself included, that we'd probably see Luke as part of the head, the new Jedi Master as like a head of the new Jedi Order that he set up. But we're hearing some things now, like that report was saying how maybe that the new Jedi Order isn't set up at all, and even a new Republic isn't set up. So that could be a big change to what a lot of fans were assuming that the story would be. So at the same time, too, it's kind of good to have that thinking in your head where like how we always said or i said at least where nothing of the eu is going to make these movies and even the normal assumptions that we think are just natural progressions for the story we can't assume that either as far as like the new republic set up luke had the new jedi order already set up in the 30 years after jedi so this brings home that point again where we have to go in with an open mind and to expect the unexpected really because we're just going to 
this destroys some of the point even more to me. We're just going to get something different that we're not expecting. Maybe certain things, but as a whole, it's going to be to- something totally different and story-wise, character-wise, just down the lines, just different things that we're expecting. So another thing that actually, probably I would say the biggest rumor to happen since our last episode is one that kind of spawned some, I wouldn't say controversy, but going back and forth between certain fans and websites about if it's valid or not, trying to say if it's true. But we got some potential information about the villains for episode seven. And this was coming from makingstarwars.net. Just have some sources who are at Pinewood Studios, and this is where they're hearing it from. And they kind of made a point to say, too, that this is all we're hearing. We're not saying it's right. We're not saying it's wrong. This is just what we're being told. And pretty much the basic of it is that there's a group of villains that are right now being called Jedi Hunters. And they're pretty much throwing a wrench in and Luke trying to set the Jedi Order up, which is the main reason why it's not set up where... They're pretty much working for the Empire, trying to destroy what Jedi are there and trying to resurrect the Sith. And another big part of this rumor was that the characters who are supposedly be a part of this group were Lupita Nyong'o, Adam Driver, and I think I mentioned David Oilowo. Again, I have to say his name again. I thought I didn't have to, but we'll just call him David. (laughs) They're making up the cast of villains that are supposed to be these Jedi hunters. And when I first heard this, I was like, this is some things I like about this and some things I don't. I actually like the idea where instead of just one main villain or two, it's a group of villains. I think that could be something that could be pretty neat and different to see in a Star Wars movie. But again, I'm not too fond of the idea of them working for the Empire and the Empire still being a main threat and an antagonist that the heroes have to fight against in this new trilogy. Kind of hoping for something new. So... I was kind of torn between this because on one hand, yeah, it's cool to have a group of villains more than just two, but again, it'd be better if they were just their own group and not affiliated with the Empire at all. So I don't know how you feel about that, but to me it has the potential of being something pretty cool if it does end up being true. Yeah, well, I mean, for one thing, in terms of their relationship with the Empire and everything, I mean, there was an additional rumor that these guys were going to be sort of related to the Inquisitors that we're going to see in Star Wars Rebels, and it was going to sort of be an offshoot of that same group that... These guys were were guys that had worked for Palpatine, and uh, you know he he sent them around the galaxy hunting down remaining Jedi. And now that Palpatine's dead, that um, they're sort of just trying to carry on that mission and uh, you know exterminate the Jedi in his name. Um, and I don't know. I thought it was a pretty cool concept. I mean, even though it was just rumor, and then we even heard some people um, <laughs> saying that they. Uh, Definitely knew this wasn't true, even though they can't say how. But, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, whether or not it's true, I do think it's a pretty cool idea. And I think that regardless of who the villains are in Episode 7, I think logically it makes sense for them to have some connection to the Empire, um, even if it's not like a direct remnant of uh, the Empire that we saw in the original trilogy. I mean, it's 30 years later, which is... Kind of a long time, but at the same time, not that long of a time. I mean, when you think about the the, the politics of an entire galaxy and when you've got an empire that, um, you know, spread throughout that whole galaxy. Now, mind you, that that empire was only in complete power for 20 years. So, you know, 30 years is even longer than that. But, I mean, it was the Republic before that and the empire – I mean, the, the – Republic just sort of, um, you know, Palpatine converted it into an empire. It's not like this empire came in and invaded and took over the entire galaxy in 20 years. So the Republic had been in place long before that. And then Palpatine, you know, 
overruled it and sort of took it under his control. But I mean, just the fact that it was so widespread and so huge and so powerful, I think, you know, 30 years later, I think there's still got to be something left of that. Um, you know, there was in the EU and I'm not saying it's going to be the exact same way it was in the EU. I'm just saying that, uh, you know, whether they're sticking to the EU or going in a completely new direction, I think either way, it still makes some logical sense for them to be, for there to be some sort of imperial factions still left here, or at least some villains that are reminiscent of the empire or, um, you know, have some indirect tie to the empire, even if not a, a direct link. So, um, I, but I think that's pretty cool though. I don't necessarily mind the, the tie in there. Um, so, you know, again, like you said, I'm kind of just trying to go in with an open mind because even though I'm maybe more, um, maybe more open than you are to, to them sort of sticking to some EU elements, like, I don't think they're going to completely do away with it. I think we'll still see either some things that are reminiscent of it or some little references or something. Um, even though I definitely don't think they're going to, well, yeah, they already announced that they're not going to completely stick to it. But, um, at the same time, I would like to see something new too. So if it's, these Jedi hunters or some other completely new villain and awesome. In fact, I would prefer that to like just another Sith Lord because, yeah, you know, like, and, and especially because, you know, these are guys who basically could be Sith like villains, you know, wield red lightsabers where black used the dark side of the force, all that kind of stuff, but they're not Sith Lords. They're sort of Sith cultists or uh you know sith worshipers who are trying to carry on the legacy of a dead sith lord but they're not trying to like rise back up and be like oh the sith have returned even though luke restored balance to the force and the sith are supposed to be wiped out but um you know the and like you said it's it's cool too that there's a group of villains because this means like these guys can be powerful but if they're not full-fledged sith lords you would think that a, a jedi as powerful as luke would be able to defeat one of them fairly easily. Um, but if there's a whole group of them already in place, whereas Luke is just one Jedi and he's trying to, you know, find out if there are any more remaining Jedi out there, or he's trying to recruit new people and, you know, find new force sensitives to sort of build up a Jedi order then they sort of have a one up on him in terms of numbers. Um, and so even if Luke can take on one of these guys and hold his own, you know, two or three might be a little more difficult. So I think that could be a more interesting, uh, interesting dynamic with the villains there. And, you know, obviously I'm sure one of them would sort of emerge as the, the main antagonist or sort of the leader of the group, but still to have a little bit more of a, a power structure there with like three or more, um, you know, sort of dark side warriors, as opposed to just one super powerful Sith Lord, that would be something we haven't really seen before. Yeah. More than likely. I think I could see playing out if there are, they are Sith worshipers. They'd probably be a group of them at the beginning of the movie. Then maybe some get taken out by our heroes, but, or maybe, one of them, like you mentioned, rises up to be the leader and he kills all the other part of his group to be the main Sith and maybe just keeps one for his apprentice. We'll probably see that number dwindle if <laughs> it is going to be a group down to one or two and maybe that person will be the main antagonist for episodes eight and nine. So I can see it going down that route. But Well, see, and that's one EU reference that I wouldn't really want them to see because what you just said, that sort of sounds like they would just be copying the Darth Bane storyline. Mm -hmm. Um, and then again, you know, they say that, uh, you know, history repeats itself. And of course these are in, in I mean, even these, even if these guys aren't Sith Lords, you would think in the sort of the lineage or the, the group of dark side force users like the Sith that, you know, you could certainly see something like that happening again. But, yeah. um, I think for, for one of them to start taking control and just sort of try to overthrow all the others would kind of defeat their purpose, I guess, because, 
again, I, I think it would be cool if they had that strength in numbers. Um, but then again, you know, it certainly would not be something new to see, uh, you know, a little bit of a power struggle or uh, some uh, dissension in the ranks among the bad guys. So, you know, that could certainly factor in there somewhere, too. That, that's an interesting point, too, because kind of how you're saying history repeats itself. Well, maybe they're going to do the opposite of what I just said and kind of go in line to what you were saying, where instead of instead of going back to what Darth Bane instituted with the rule of two, maybe they're going to go back before that and have, like you said, the strength of numbers route where they're going to try to build an army instead. So either way, to me, it can make sense where they're going to follow one way, the, the true Sith way of what Darth Bane and Palpatine uh, carried out throughout a thousand years, or maybe they're going to go back before that and change it up and have it be where it's an army of Sith like the Jedi. So who knows? But one thing I just want to say about the Empire again, I don't mind seeing a remnant or of the Empire there. I just hope to, I don't want to see him be the main antagonist again, where they're pretty much the same Imperial Army that we saw in the original trilogy. And it's kind of weird for me to say because I love the Empire. As a kid, I just kind of always was more of an Empire guy just to how cool everyone looked and how cool the ships were. So I, it's kind of kind of torn because it'd be cool to see all that great Imperial look again in the new trilogy. But at the same time, I do want something new. So. I don't know. If it does end up where the Empire is going to be the main threat of the movie again, I'm sure it won't take too long to convince me that it's going to be a good thing. <laughs> Probably once I see the first shot of a Star Destroyer or a new Stormtrooper helmet or TIE Fighter or something, <laughs> something will probably sway me pretty easily. Well, you know what? That I do agree with you on, though, because, um, I mean, the, these I like these idea, this idea of these Jedi hunters in terms of, like, a new villain who sort of is, like, trying to rise from the ashes of the Empire or keep the Empire going or something like that. But, yeah, I don't want it to be the exact same Empire that we saw in the original trilogy with the Stormtroopers and the TIE Fighters and everything. Now, if we see, like, different versions of Stormtroopers or different versions of TIE Fighters, like, that could be cool. But even then, I mean, I'm hoping that the the power struggle or sort of the the um, status quo, I guess you could say, in the galaxy has changed. Um, and this was one thing that sort of disappointed me about this rumor. I mean, obviously, this is still just speculation at this point, but if it does turn out to be true, when they said that, uh, you know, there was no um, New Republic at this point, I was like, I was kind of hoping there was. I mean, even if, you know, I know there are a lot of people who sort of um, poke fun at uh, Return of the Jedi. They're like, oh, Vader's dead, the Emperor's dead, and the Death Star's destroyed. So I guess that means the Empire automatically loses, even though they've still got tons of troops and commanders and Star Destroyers and everything all over the galaxy. So, I mean, it certainly would make sense for the good guys to still have to be fighting some remnant of the Empire. And I'm sure if there is a new Republic in place, it's not like it happened overnight. I'm sure they still had to fight to, to gain control of the galaxy back. But, I mean, just because... The, the heroes ultimately were triumphant at the end of the last movie. I would kind of like to see them in a position where they're like, okay, you know, there still might be some Imperials left. We still have to fight these guys, but we've sort of got the upper hand now. And then maybe these Jedi hunters emerge from hiding and sort of, you know, throw a wrench in their plans and they're sort of bringing the bad guys back on the upswing. Or maybe there's some completely new threat or villain or something that, uh, you know, comes out to, to completely... Th sort of toss up the dynamic. I mean, just sort of like how the Yuuzhan Vong were in the EU, except I'm not really crazy about that idea. So, you know, maybe something else, some sort of alien race that's not going to try to drop a moon on Chewbacca. I mean, come <laughs> on. <laughs> They're going to drop the moon and land on Harrison Ford's foot. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> well, you know what? If they did do that, then I, I think an easy way to rewrite it would just be either have him ride around on a speeder bike the entire movie or have him walk around with, like, R2-D2 under his leg, you know, just sort of have his leg propped up on R2 and have him roll around that way. It'll be like a little, you know, his own <laughs> personal scooter. <laughs> that could be, like, his big reveal shot in the first trailer or something. <laughs> R2 leg coming out. <laughs> oh, man. But another thing I liked in this before, too, about the villains were kind of describing what they could look like. It said that they would be characterized by black and chrome, with uh, kind of similar to some troopers, like stormtroopers, but just in black. And some would be masked and some wouldn't. But I like the idea of having new trooper armor all in black. I think that'd be really cool to see because <laughs> we haven't really seen, besides Tie Fighters, we just see them in their cockpit, not too much out of their ships. But I actually see some cool black armor and some fights. I think would be pretty cool to see besides Darth Vader. So a group of them, maybe if they even take some inspiration for Darth Vader, would be cool <laughs> if they're so invested in the Sith and they just want to kind of take after the two most powerful Sith, Palpatine and Vader. It would be kind of cool to see them tweak their armor and have some resemblance to that. So, again, a lot of it in this report that I like, some of it is stuff I wish was a little different. So, we'll just have to wait and see. Again, who knows? Maybe this is totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, well, again, in regards to the looks, I mean, I don't know if we were reading this report from the same source, but the, the site that I read it on, the you know, them talking about the costumes and the black and chrome and the mask and everything. Uh, again, they were like directly making the comparison to rebels and saying that, you know, these guys were uh, supposed to be sort of that part of the same group of inquisitors because, and we've seen obviously the inquisitor for star Wars rebels, his outfit is all black. He wields a lightsaber. And I think we saw, maybe it was in some of the stuff from toy fair um, where, uh, you know, we saw some more like promotional shots of him or something where he has a, a helmet or a mask or something that he can wear. Now, I don't know if that's actually going to be in the show or, you know, sometimes they'll add props and, you know, bits of costume and stuff for action figures just to sort of make it cooler that we never really see in the show. You know, they'll, they'll give, uh, you know, Captain Rex a jetpack or something. I mean, he's used jetpacks in the show, so that's not the best example, but you know, certain times where they'll, they'll add, uh, you know, a little, a weapon or a rocket launcher or a, a jetpack or something like that to a character that never actually uses it in the movies or in the series or something like that, just to kind of give kids something extra to play with. So it could be something like that or, you know, if I mean, I certainly wouldn't put it past them. It's not like it looked like a a big kind of over the top action figure kind of mask. It's like I could see him wearing that in the show. We just haven't seen it in any of the trailers or anything yet. So, um, I mean, there could be that connection there. Um, I mean, either way, yeah, like you said, the, the description of it definitely sounds pretty cool. Um, and then, of course, we've had some more rumors regarding you know, some, some new elite stormtroopers wearing black and chrome armor or some Mandalorians wearing black and chrome armor. So, um, either way, it does sound like there are going to be some pretty interesting new villain designs, whoever they end up being, you know, if there's any credibility to any of these rumors. Yeah. Well, speaking of just regular stormtroopers, making of star Wars, making star Wars.net had another report not too long after that initial villains one, where they had someone, one of the sources at Pinewood actually saw some designs or the actual costumes for the new stormtroopers. They made a point to say not necessarily those villains that we were just talking about, but for the actual troopers. And they're saying these ones were kind of be more in line to stormtroopers. They're going to see some differences. I think they described it as more modern or just updated, kind of kind of like clone troopers were similar, but yet different to how stormtroopers were. But for these ones, they were saying how their helmets might flare out and they kind of have a 
thin black strip over their eyes, and they described it as looking very creepy. And what was cool about this report is they actually had some early pictures of Joe Johnson's uh, Boba Fett designs that kind of looked like what they were describing, where their helmets are kind of similar to Darth Vader. So, again, that goes back to what I was talking about earlier, where seeing some, uh, whether it's the troopers or the new villains, just having something that represents Darth Vader, maybe paying homage to him, because if they're, whether it's going to be Sith or troopers for the Empire, you'd think 30 years later they want to have something that represents Darth Vader, pretty much the face of the Empire during that time. So I'm just hoping one of those things pans out where we see some type of representation that looks like Vader and is paying homage to his awesome design that he had throughout the original trilogy in Episode 3 because we've heard those rumors before way back when we were talking about Episode 7 when it was first announced that, oh, Darth Vader was going to be in it and somehow, some way, you're going to see his armor again. I'm kind of hoping that I would rather see this where we just see homages or troopers or villains showing their respect and reverence for the Sith Lord and just adapting his design into their own. I think that might be the better way to go. Yeah, well, you know, that would be interesting, but then, I mean, if you think about it, did the stormtroopers really revere Darth Vader all that much? I mean, they were scared to death of the guy because, yeah. you know, if you, if you filed one paper wrong, he would choke you from across the room and that was well, it. It just but, could be whoever's in charge of the Empire now is making the standard look for the um, for the stormtroopers or whatever their troops are, have it be standard where it has some reference to Darth Vader in there. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I was going to say. And whether it's, you know, whether these Jedi hunters are sort of in charge and have, you know, some big influence over the, uh, the whole empire or, I mean, it sounds to me like this would be more of their own separate group um, that sort of operate on independently and they're just going after Jedi and not necessarily as concerned with the uh, sort of the day-to-day affairs of running the empire. But I mean, whether it's these guys in charge or maybe some sort of admiral or somebody like that who, uh, yeah, just has uh, sort of that respect for, for Vader and the emperor and is like, okay, I'm taking charge now and I'm going to keep cracking the whip and keep everybody in line. And we're going to do things the way Vader and Palpatine did. And, uh, you know, pay tribute to the Sith. Um, or, you know, it could also be sort of a, a scare tactic, I guess, like, um, because I'm sure the rebels were just as terrified of Darth Vader as the Imperials were. And yeah. so now you see stormtroopers coming in black armor with helmets sort of reminiscent of Darth Vader. Um, you know, obviously that would be a, a good way to intimidate your enemies. So, I mean, either way, yeah, I would not be opposed to that. I mean, as long as it's not too you know, too direct of a, of a reference and it doesn't look like, Oh, they just, you know, tried to copy Darth Vader's armor or, you know, it doesn't look like a bunch of mini Darth Vader's running around with guns. But I mean, if it's just some sort of subtle, but at the same time, really distinct homage to Vader's armor, like you said, just if all the helmets are black and flared out a little bit at the bottom, like, yeah, that would be pretty cool to see. Yeah. And I'll say this right now. This is one of the big things I'm looking forward to seeing with episode seven, just the new, trooper or military look and armor and helmets designs because one thing Star Wars does the best besides great characters and stories is just cool looking outfits. I mean stormtroopers, clone troopers, Mandalorian helmets, I mean you name it, just some of the coolest designs out there. So I can't wait to see what new stuff is gonna be in store for this new trilogy because I think the clones outdid the stormtrooper look in my opinion. The clones just look awesome. So if they're gonna this new set of troopers is going to be cooler looking than the clones. And man, I can't wait to see it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you there. I mean, the the phase one clone troopers that you see in Attack of the Clones in the beginning of the Clone Wars, I thought were pretty cool. But um, 
I mean, I guess I, you know, I would say I probably like those about as much as the stormtroopers or maybe even a little bit less, but the phase two clone troopers that you see in like episode three, um, I thought were really cool when I first saw them because again, it's like you see them and immediately you think, oh man, they look like stormtroopers, but at the same time, you know, they're not stormtroopers, but also I think by that point, I mean, that's when you see the most, uh, sort of diversity among the the designs just in terms of like you see the different color schemes for the different battalions and um, some of the modifications and different pieces on the armor that they've got and stuff. And of course they took that even further in the clone wars and did that even with the, uh, the phase one clone trooper armor. But yeah, I mean that phase two clone trooper armor looks pretty sweet. And I mean, if it's going to be something reminiscent of that or something completely new, I mean, whatever it is. Yeah. Like you said, I'm, I'm excited to see, well, heck I'm excited to see the new designs of everything. I mean, everything from the, stormtroopers or whoever the bad guys are going to be to any sort of redesigned tie fighters to whatever the new rebels slash republic whatever the good guys are going to be you know what their ships are going to be to luke skywalker and han solo's new costumes to the lightsaber hilts of any new jedi or dark side characters so i mean yeah all the sort of new design elements and, uh, you know, all the new costumes and props and weapons and ships and everything that we're going to get to see in this movie. It's going to be exciting to see all of that stuff. And I'm sure the final first cannot wait to see these new designs. <laughs> They're probably oh, like, yeah. chomping at the bit, ready to get their costumes made once they get these first designs leaked or not leaked, but officially revealed or, or whatever comes first. Maybe it'll get leaked first. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it'll be officially revealed first. Even if it does get leaked, I'm sure the 501st will have a costume ready for the next convention. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, but the villain rumors don't stop there. I mean, not too long after this. Of course, Latino Review had to chime in with a rumor of their own as far as what villains will see in the movie. And this kind of harkens back to the villain report from MakingStarWars.net about this group of Jedi hunters. But Latino Review is saying that they're going to actually be Mandalorians. They actually made reference to maybe this group of Mandalorians is actually the group that was reported earlier, which we were talking about as the Jedi Hunters. So I don't know, Mandalorians would be cool to see, but I don't particularly see them as being Jedi Hunters and a big enough threat on their own, unless they have a big army that's going to attack Luke and whatever Jedi he has at that time. But I don't see them particularly being the main threat or this group of Jedi Hunters. Maybe they'll be involved somehow, but maybe just not particularly fighting the Jedi. Yeah. Well, didn't they also mention like Sith witches in that yep. report? Yeah, because yeah. I thought they said that's what the Jedi hunters were, that it was like, um, you know, that the the sort of main threat that was uh, going after the Jedi was actually these Sith witches and that somebody on set who wasn't real familiar with Star Wars terminology just kind of, you know, they easily interpreted like dark side witches as Jedi hunters or something like that. And that sort of got lost in translation. But I mean, whether it's you know, whether it's these Imperial Jedi hunters or whether it's Mandalorians or Sith witches, I mean, these all sound like pretty cool ideas and I'm not necessarily putting a whole ton of stock in any one of them because I mean, as soon as one comes out that sounds pretty good, there's always somebody else saying like, Oh no, this is going to happen or somebody, you know, flat out denying one of them or something like that. And so you never really know what to believe these days, but I mean, at least for me, I thought all of these sounded fairly credible. And I mean, like you said, with the Mandalorians, I don't necessarily think that they would be the Jedi hunters because they've always been sort of that wild card faction. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they're not the kind. I mean, there there have been some EU stories, uh, especially back in the old Republic era, where there was a whole galaxy wide Mandalorian war um, where 
the Mandalorians were sort of at the peak of their strength and they had an army big enough to invade the Republic and it was a full-scale war going on. But, I mean, at least around the time of the, uh, you know, the movies and the prequels and the original trilogy, I mean, Jango Fett and Boba Fett are supposed to be some of the last Mandalorians out there. And so, I mean, even if more of them do sort of come out of hiding, I mean, we've seen more of them on the Clone Wars now, obviously, um, and know that there's sort of a bigger faction and the Boba Fett isn't like the complete last one out there, but still, um, you know, you would expect, I mean, we've seen like Death Watch and the Clone Wars, they're a smaller group and they sort of pop up to be like a thorn in the Republic side and they're just trying to take back their home planet. They're not trying to overthrow the whole, whole Republic or destroy the Jedi order or anything like that. So I wouldn't expect a whole army of Mandalorians to be trying to sweep through and take over the galaxy. But if they did appear somewhere in the movie, you know, whether, there's like the main villain and then sort of the the sort of main henchman or something under that, like the the bad guy's sort of number one um, or like second in command could be, you know, a Mandalorian with their own sort of little rogue faction or we could just see a, a rogue group of Mandalorians that's not really affiliated with anybody just sort of roaming around making trouble. But I wouldn't expect them to be the main villains. Um, and then, of course, there's the, the whole Sith witches thing, which... I also don't think would be completely out of the question because obviously at this point I'm trying to look at this from the standpoint of like, okay, who would make a really cool villain and a, a credible villain? Like you could see someone like this sort of coming up to make trouble for the Jedi and it's not going to be like a main, you know, a, a sort of full-fledged Sith Lord because we've seen a lot of that and the Sith are supposed to be gone now. Um, and obviously they could bring them back at some point, but I'm hoping that they're not just going to bring back like, oh, here's another Sith Lord as the villain for episode seven. So I, you know, I'm trying to think like, well, you know, who could the villain be and what are some other ideas besides Sith Lords? And so all of these, I think, sound pretty cool, whether it's Mandalorians or some sort of, uh, you know, dark side assassins that were working for the Empire or Sith witches, because obviously we know that's a group that's out there with Mother Talzin and the Night Sisters and the Night Brothers that we've seen um, in uh the, the Clone Wars series, and we'll talk about this a bit later with the most recent issue of the Darth Maul Son of Dathomir comic, um, where we see that the Knight Brothers um, and Brother Viscus and all his guys, they're still a uh, pretty sizable force to be reckoned with, although we don't know how that's going to pan out by the end of the uh, comic series. But, um, and, you know, whether or not Mother Talzin is still in charge, you know, she could, uh, well, this whole arc in the the comic book story is about Sidious and Maul trying to go after her, um, or at least, no, it's Sidious trying to go after her because, yeah. yeah, he and Maul are on opposite sides now. But Sidious wants to to kill Mother Talzin, so we don't know if he's going to succeed in that or not. But whether it's her or somebody else in charge, it's like that's another faction that now has been established in the canon because we know uh, Clone Wars is, you know, in, is officially canon and everything now. So that's something they could draw from and bring back into it later. And I think that would actually be really cool to see. I mean, now that Clone Wars and Rebels and all these novels and everything are going to be considered canon i mean to be seeing um a, a group of villains that we've seen a lot in clone wars to be to see them brought into the movies and sort of do something new there that would be really cool um and you know i was actually kind of surprised um that this was like one of the first uh rumors from latino review that i was like not immediately dismissing out of hand you know i wasn't like oh that sounds ridiculous i was like Oh, that sounds interesting. Sith witches. Hmm. And then I saw it's from Latino Review. I'm like, uh, you know, this one doesn't sound that crazy. 
Um, but again, I mean, at this point, it's really a toss up as to who the villains could be. So as long as they're not saying, you know, it's going to be a bunch of uh, super powerful dark side frog people or something. I don't know. <laughs> Sith Gungans. There you go. <laughs> there you go man. <laughs> yeah, that's that's something we would that's normally expect to yeah. hear from them. But uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, seeing the Night Sisters return in some sort of capacity, you know, and seeing what they're up to 50 years later or whatever, that could be interesting. Yeah, watch. This is going to be the one rumor where you think sounds legit from them, but it's going to be the one that's dead wrong, and some crazy one's going to end up being true. <laughs> it's going to be the opposite. <laughs> Benedict but, Cumberbatch is going to be in it. <laughs> <laughs> but let me ask you this. If you could only could choose one, which one would you prefer as the villains? The Mandalorians, the Jedi Hunters, or the Sith Witches? If only one of them was going to be in it, which one would you think would be best? For me personally, I would... From what I've heard, I like the idea of the Jedi Hunters and just how they look, having a not not necessarily a big group, but a group of villains instead of just one or two. So I've, out of those three, I think I'd like to see that. Yeah, I would probably have to say the same thing. Although I will say, I mean, you're saying pick just one, but I do think there's room for them to bring all three of them in, um, sure. yeah. especially at least the Mandalorians, because I, like I said, I don't think they necessarily work well as main villains i think they're more of like an outside wild card faction and usually they're bad guys but occasionally you can have some like bo katan who can you know join the the good guys side if it's in their interest so um yeah i I think uh I, i like the jedi hunters the best as the idea of like the main villains for the film um and i think there there would certainly still be room for mandalorians to appear in the film as well either as sort of a, a subgroup of villains or as maybe some, you know, some reluctant heroes. Um, and then the night sisters, I think would be really cool to bring in maybe like an episode eight or nine or something. Um, just sort of as they're expanding the, the villains and the bad guys. I mean, maybe the, uh, maybe the Jedi hunters go to Dathomir in episode eight to, to learn some more secrets of the dark side to try to fight the good guys with or something like that. Or maybe they have a, a night sister, a Dathomir, which, you know, join the ranks of the Jedi hunters or join the ranks of Luke's new Jedi. I mean, that was something else they did in the EU. I believe, I think one of the, there was a Jedi character in the EU that was a, a Dathomir, witch. um, and I'm not really sure because I haven't read those books since like before Clone Wars and since before I was really familiar with Dathomir and the witches and everything. But again, I'm not saying it has to be the exact same character or anything. I'm just saying that would be uh, an interesting thing to bring up. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, any three, you know, any one of those three groups has uh, some really interesting potential to be some cool villains or you know, other sort of surprise factions of characters. But I mean, as far as the main villains, I think I would have to pick the Jedi hunters. And like you said too, about there could possibly be room to have some Mandalorians in there, not necessarily be the villains. I mean, I was just thinking right now, maybe it'd be cool if the Mandalorians are actually played a part as the good guys in this. We're hearing reports that the new Republic's not set up. The new Jedi order isn't fully operational yet, where there's not too many Jedi. So maybe the Mandalorians will be good guys where, for some reason or another, maybe they pay him or they just want to help the galaxy or they actually help Luke, Han, and Leia and whatever the hero characters are going to be in whatever group that is. Maybe the Mandalorians will play a, help, a part in helping them defeat this new group of Sith or remnants of the Empire or something. That'd be cool, I think, to have 
Mandalorians on the side of good for a change <laughs> that we're not used to seeing so much. But and then again, it just brings it back to the cool armor. We get cool armor for the new stormtroopers, and then cool Mandalorian armor fighting against each other. I mean, how awesome would that look on screen? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Or I mean, it could even be something like Clone Wars, where um, you know, once Darth Maul sort of takes over the Death Watch, and then there's that group of loyalists that splits away from him. There could be two different groups of Mandalorians, or uh, maybe even just like a group of Mandalorians that decides with the bad guys and maybe one or two of them disagree and so they break away and come help the Republic slash Rebellion slash Jedi Order slash whatever the um, hero faction is going to be. But Or, you know, what else would be really interesting to see? If the Mandalorians were good guys and then, you know, Boba Fett comes out of the Sarlacc pit, out of retirement, whatever, and <laughs> is like what the heck are you guys doing? Like you have no more warrior honor. You're just, you know, being thugs and he joins with the heroes to try to fight him. Um, and you know, surprises everybody. And then at least right into the Boba Fett standalone movie coming out next year. <laughs> yeah. Or that could be the plot of the Boba Fett standalone movie, but either way. Um, yeah. I mean, lots of cool possibilities there. Now, one other thing I didn't want to sort of go back to a little bit. I mean, now that we're sort of re- getting real in depth, on uh, all these story rumors here. I mean, the rumor that we talked about earlier where the plot might revolve around Han Solo, uh, you know, leading um, the search for, for Luke Skywalker. And I mean, did you have any more thoughts on that hearing all these different rumors about like who the villains might be and sort of any relation to that? Um, The only thing that was really coming to mind is that Luke somehow knows about this threat or knew about it beforehand. He's just been off training or at least is what i would like to see if that report's true where he's missing that he's missing because he's been training and it's some intense training that maybe no other jedi has done before or he's searching a holocron or something something that takes them away because he realizes the stud's coming yeah i you know i thought something similar along those lines maybe not necessarily that he was training but doing something to either try to investigate or fight some new threat and something it made me think of too i don't know if you thought of this but uh i mean of course i love to talk about the old republic timeline and all that kind of stuff but it sort of made me think of darth revan where um i mean you don't really sort of get this uh this storyline from the knights of the old republic game but if you've read any of the sort of lore surrounding the games and the backstory of kotor 2 and all that um it's basically like darth revan and, and sorry, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't played the game, but it's been out for like over 10 years now where <laughs> Darth Revan, uh, you know, was a Sith, goes back to being a Jedi, saves the galaxy from the Sith and then disappears because he, uh, you know, he's sort of like once he turns back to the light side, he's sort of got amnesia, but then sort of bits and pieces of memory start coming back to him that he, uh, you know, starts remembering like what he did as a Sith and remembering uh, sort of how he turned to the dark side in the first place. And he remembers that there's like this huge Sith empire waiting on the edge of the galaxy. That's just sort of like been building, you know, been biding its time for thousands and thousands of years because the, the Jedi and the Republic originally thought they could wipe these guys out. And then um, Revan and his, Jedi friend uh, who became Darth Malak, they sort of stumbled upon this and then returned to the to the galaxy and uh, became Sith and like took the whole thing over because they were going to try to f- use their own empire to fight the other Sith empire. So basically he goes off and disappears to, to try to find the Sith empire again and try to fight them um, or at least, you know, sort of investigate it some more, do his own thing. Um, and so, yeah, I, I sort of 
thought that same thing with Luke where it's like, oh, maybe there's some new thread out there and Luke has found out about it before anyone else and goes off to investigate it or try to fight it or try to preempt whatever this thing is from, from taking over the galaxy or wiping out the Jedi or whatever it's going to be. Um, and then, you know, so maybe like the start of episode seven, Luke's already gone and Han and Leia and the rest of the galaxy, they find out about this thing for the first time. And they're like, Oh, this must be what Luke went to, to go investigate or try to prevent. Now we got to go find him and, uh, you know, find out what he knows or find out if he's still alive. You know, did he, uh, did he end up fighting this thing? Like, has this thing destroyed him and now it's coming to destroy us or is he still out there trying to fight it? So I think that would be pretty cool to see, um, you know, just something like that. Um, and you know, I was like, I don't know if I'm way off base with that. If I'm like just thinking about the Darth Revan thing, but I think in, you know, even like sort of going off of that, um, just with all these different, uh, these different villain factions, because these are all sort of like mysterious groups. And again, it's not just like one big Sith Lord. It's like, if there was this group of Jedi hunters, could Luke have gone out to try to, you know, infiltrate them or could he have gone to Dathomir to try to learn more about what the witches were planning or something like that? So, um, you know, again, lots of stuff to, to speculate about at this point. And for once, all of it seems pretty good and there's you know a lot of stuff we can dig into here and it's not like oh well this sounds possible this sounds ridiculous and this i don't know about what about this what if they kind of do some opposite for knights of the old republic where they're out looking for luke and the leader of this main group whatever it's going to be the jedi hunters is a masked character and he's the main villain of it and then we find out that that's actually luke maybe he's been brainwashed or some taken control and they made him their leader, and this is like be the big plot twist of the movie. I think I remember one of our episodes way back where I made the wild prediction that Luke is actually going to be like the new Darth Vader inside Darth Vader's armor and that is going to get revealed that he's actually the bad guy. Maybe they'll go that route or something. Maybe not Darth Vader, but the mysterious villain in the movie ends up being him when they're looking for him, but he's been there all along. <laughs> I wonder if they'll go that route at all. Or if that's maybe a little too similar to the twist in Night of the Old Republic, but instead of being uh, good when he was actually bad before, he's bad where Luke was. Luke is bad now, but before he was good. So who knows? That'd be a... If they could keep that a secret, that'd be a pretty big plot twist in there. That would actually be really cool. Um, Yeah, it's funny because I've always sort of been opposed to the idea of Luke turning to the dark side because, you know, he's always sort of been the, um, the, the main hero and sort of the most pure and innocent of of sort of all the characters, if you think about it. I mean, Anakin was the main hero of the original trilogy, of the prequel trilogy, but we know how flawed and everything he was. Um, And Luke is just, you know, sort of the the hopeful farm boy who wants to go out and explore the galaxy, and then he becomes a Jedi Knight, and then he redeems his father, and, you know, he's the one who stands up to the Empire and tosses away his lightsaber and says, no, I won't join you, I won't turn to the dark side. So I, you know, Luke was always the one character that I never wanted to see fall to the dark side. But I don't really want to see a story where like Luke's the main character and we see him get corrupted. Cause the whole time I'm going to be like, Luke's not going to fall for that. But if it is some sort of cool surprise reveal, tw- you know, reveal and, and big shocking twist like that, like you said, where they spend the whole movie looking for him and then what they find at the end isn't what they expect. That could be really cool. And, you know, they spend the whole movie talking about, Oh, Luke went off to fight these guys and, you know, maybe he's dead. Maybe he's defeated him. Maybe he's, you know, trapped somewhere and we have to go rescue him. And then they find out he's joined them. 
um, that could be pretty cool. And then, you know, we find out later, like how it all happened. And of course they would have to save him and turn him back. But, um, you know, that would be, uh, definitely something new and unexpected and, uh, something, uh, that I think I would be on board with. Yeah. Like going back to what you said, I would rather be like a mind control or brainwash type thing. Cause you said all the points where you can't really, I don't want to see Luke make the choice of going over to the dark side or being bad because yeah, like you said, that last moment of return of the Jedi is just awesome where he throws away his lightsaber and says, I am a Jedi like my father before me. I mean, yeah, that's as cool as it gets when it comes to Luke Skywalker's character moments right there. So if it's something where it's brainwashed, maybe it's a little too simple and you might something more complex as to why you'd be a bad guy, but I'd rather have it be something just simple and where it'd be mind control instead of having this t- character take pretty much a 180 turn to what we're used to and saw in Return of the Jedi. So I don't know. It would be interesting if we go that route. I'm sure there's caused plenty of debate amongst fans. <laughs> yeah. But then again, you know, at the same time, like if it was just mind control or something, I mean, that almost seems too easy because I don't want it to be something where Luke just, you know, gives into temptation and he's like, yes, I want to be evil and I want the power. But yeah. you know, what if it was something like, you know, kind of like with Revan, you know, what if there was like an even bigger threat out there and Luke thought that, uh, you know, maybe by, by joining the bad guys or turning to the dark side or something, you know, somehow he thought like this was for the greater good. This was the only way that he could stop something bad from happening or defeat a really powerful enemy or save someone that he cared about. You know, maybe the bad guys are, you know, threatening Han and Leia or Luke's wife or kid, if he's going to have any in this movie, you know, something like that. So, you know, I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll wait and see as we always do. But, uh, I mean, I, I think that could be pretty interesting because again, I mean, I, I mentioned all those reasons of like why I wouldn't want to see, Luke turned to the dark side, but if they could introduce something that I hadn't even thought of before and go like, oh man, well, that's a reason why Luke would turn to the dark side. Like that would be also, I think, really interesting. Or, I mean, something else could be like, what if he's not, what if he hasn't fully joined them, but, um, you know, he's, he's working alongside them for like an uh, undercover type thing, either undercover or for, for some greater goal, um, you know, they first meet him and they think he's turned evil, but he's really like, you know, okay, I haven't fully joined them, but there's this greater threat out there. They want to destroy it. I want to destroy it. But we also just happen to want to destroy each other, but we're working together for now, you know, something like that. I don't know. That could be pretty cool too. Or they could just do it from the Clone Wars, use the Geonosian worms and have them be in control that way. (laughs) (laughs) It could have a tie into Clone Wars that way would be neat. (laughs) Han, I was going to study that. Study the bottom of my boot, kid. Come on, let's go. (laughs) Hey, there's another reason where his leg could be broken. (laughs) Right. I was going to say that could be how he broke his foot, stomping too hard on a worm. See, that's why they need us there in those uh, meetings, what to do about Harrison Ford's leg. We could solve it like that. (laughs) But there was one more big rumor that came out over last week. I think this was on the 25th. This is another one from makingstarwars.net, which is becoming a, a new site now. That's Well, I don't know if it's a new site, but a site that's reporting a lot of rumors recently. But Yeah, it's like all the big rumors are coming out of their, their sources recently. They're, they're almost like the new Latino review, but I don't mean that as an insult because yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, I think their stuff is more credible. Although at the same time, I mean, it's still all rumor right now and uh, – you know, I'm not saying like they're completely right or I believe everything they say, but at least, you know, when I read their stuff, it's like, oh, that's something interesting to think about. Whereas, and, and you know, they're, they're coming out with a lot of like 
character and uh, plot and location and you know rumors about that sort of stuff. Whereas Latino Review, it was like in the early days um, when they first announced that Episode Seven was happening. Latino Review was the one that like almost every casting rumor was coming from them, and almost every one of them turned out to be wrong. Yeah, and we're making Star Wars, you know, they're Star Wars fans writing this stuff. Latino Review, you kind of <laughs> have people just reporting on it, don't necessarily know too much about Star Wars. That's why they have links to, like, Wikipedia and stuff for more information on Mandalorians and the Dathomir witches. So, <laughs> you know, this stuff's coming from diehard fans, which yeah. makes them definitely more enjoyable to read. But this one is in regard to John Boyega's character in Episode 7. And this one kind of gave some, shed some more light, not only on what type of character he is, but... This report is also saying that uh, John Boyega's character and Daisy Ridley's character are going to be the Thomas and Rachel who are in those uh, early uh, casting call scripts that we uh, saw probably about a year ago almost now. So they're the Thomas and Rachel, which I guess you can kind of assume from other reports that we were hearing. And that they're going to, we know those two characters are on Tatooine. And this rumor is saying that um, John Boyega's character actually starts out as someone who's on the evil side whether it was an Imperial or part of that Jedi Hunters group, um, we don't really to know. We don't really know what exactly, but he starts off bad. And then as the movie progresses and the story goes along, he kind of realizes what the real threat of the galaxy is and he changes sides and he ends up, um, they say, pretty much going to probably end up being a Jedi because in the report it said that on Abu Dhabi, the set there, he didn't have a lightsaber, but there has been reports from Pinewood saying that um, he's going to have a lightsaber on those shoots. So it's probably going to be a progression where we just see the journey of John Boyega's character go from a bad guy and then eventually into a hero. Whether it's a full-fledged hero by the end of this movie or episode nine, um, we don't know. But I think it's going to kind of be a progression to all three movies, kind of like we saw with uh, Anakin and Luke in episodes one through six. But what's interesting, they a little more detail why they're on Tatooine. They're saying his ship gets shot down and his crashes on Tatooine. And that kind of goes along with some of the Abu Dhabi set photos we saw of that TMZ leak where there was this one shot where there was tons of black smoke coming out from the background, which, if this report is true, would be John Bayega's ship. Then it's saying that Daisy Ridley's character rescues him and kind of gets him back to health, and they kind of have an unlikely pairing, as the reports describes it. So and then it kind of goes back to that dialogue exchange we had in that casting call script where I believe that character Thomas was someone who was hurt and Rachel was kind of nursing him back to health. So certain things are starting to line up a little bit. Certain pieces of the puzzles are fitting in certain areas. So I thought this was definitely an interesting uh, report that came out. And when I read it, it's like, yeah, this is kind of the first things we're hearing of stuff lining up from previous reports or images that we're seeing. So that was pretty cool when I read this one. Yeah, and you know, maybe we should have put a spoiler warning out before we started talking about this one. But, uh, <laughs> and this this isn't Sorry. too spoilers, though. I mean, it, I know Tim was talking to Brian Bailey, one of our listeners on Twitter, and this was before I had read this report because I had seen links to it and it said, you know, possible spoilers if this is true. Um, and so I, I talked to Tim about it and was like, okay, how spoilerish is this? Because I saw you guys talking about it and you were, Brian was like, how is Kyle going to avoid this the whole time? Because, you know, I've talked about before how I'm like trying to avoid spoilers at all costs. But I wouldn't really consider this a spoiler. This is something that I'm assuming, like, if this is true, we're going to know this from the trailers and the promotional materials and the plot synopsis and stuff that they're going to put out before the movie comes out. The the spoilers that I want to stay away from are 
anyone who dies, anyone who you know loses a fight and gets a limb cut off, any big surprise reveal like Luke Skywalker turning out to be a villain or possessed by the bad guys or something like that. You know, anything that's going to be like a big surprise in the movie um, that I'm going to go like, oh man, I wish I hadn't read that ahead of time. But I mean, pretty much anything that happens like in the first half hour or first hour of the movie where we're like introduced to the characters or anything that has to do with character backstories or anything. I'm fine reading those rumors because I'm like, I'm going to know that stuff before I go see the movie most likely anyways. Um, and we had heard some earlier rumors about John Boyega's character saying that he was going to sort of have a similar story arc uh, and some similar character arc to Luke Skywalker's character in the original trilogy where he doesn't start off as a Jedi um, but then, you know, sort of goes on this hero's journey and Luke trains him. And by the end of the, by the end of the new trilogy, he's a Jedi. Um, and, uh, you know, I thought that would be pretty cool and make sense because pretty much that that's something that we've seen repeated throughout all of Star Wars. I mean, not only was that Luke's journey, that was Anakin's journey too, because we see him as a kid on Tatooine in, uh, episode one and, you know, sure he's already, powerful in the force but you know even though he doesn't know it he can race pods and everything but no he's not a jedi padawan yet um and to an extent we even see that with ahsoka in the clone wars like she's already a jedi when we first meet her but still um you know just sort of the growth and the the progression that we see in her story arc over the course of that show i mean she's certainly much more of a jedi by the end of the show than she was at the beginning um and so you know i i thought okay that's pretty cool to um you know, find out that uh, we're going to have a, a new character going on that same sort of story arc throughout the new trilogy. But then to sort of add to it, and, you know, we hear in this most recent rumor that he's not just not a Jedi, but he starts out as a bad guy um, and sort of comes over to the good guy side through his unlikely friendship with Daisy Ridley's character. And then, uh, you know, maybe eventually, you know, decides to commit to the ideals of the Jedi Order and Luke's going to train him in that. I mean, however, that might go down. That'll be pretty interesting. One other thing that they uh, they mentioned in this rumor, they said that um, the the two of them, John Boyega and Daisy Ridley, they'll have like some casual flirting in the first movie, and it'll turn into a romantic relationship by the end of the trilogy. Um, I don't know about anybody else, but I'm like, yeah, I predicted that a long time ago. But um, I mean, if you like, if you uh, follow those two on Twitter, just sort of their maybe yeah, it's just me reading into it, but the, the banter that they have makes it seem like they're probably the two that spend the most time together on set. Um, and so, you know, I'm not thinking like, Oh, they're already dating outside of the movie or that, you know, they're going to be lovers from the moment they meet on screen. But I'm just like, if anybody's going to have a relationship in the movie and somebody is, cause there's always romance in star Wars somewhere. Um, I'm like, yeah, it's definitely going to be those two. I, I would bet. And then in episode nine, it'll be revealed that they're brother and sister. <laughs> oh, gosh. Or maybe to be different, they'll be cousins. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get PG-13 here, but if they find out they're brother and sister, and if Daisy Ridley is playing Han and Leia's daughter, which I'm also assuming, you know Han's going to be going after Lando. <laughs> <laughs> Think about that for a second if you haven't. But, yeah. That's why Lando comes back for episode eight and nine. <laughs> <laughs> See, we're getting the plot for this whole trilogy mapped out on this episode. <laughs> but I think that was pretty much it for the big, big story and plot point character rumors. 
that we've had for the last two weeks since our last episode. But there, well, I guess there was another rumor, but it's not really that too big. It's that um, Carrie Fisher's daughter um, is supposedly supposed to be in episode seven. And a lot of it's being reported that it's a cameo. But just today, I believe it was from the Daily Mail, I think it's a UK site, where they're saying that she's actually going to be playing a younger Princess Leia in a flashback sequence. When I heard that, I was like, I don't know about that. I, I do think she's probably going to be in it just as a cameo type thing, just somewhere in the background. But I highly doubt we're going to see any flashbacks in this movie. And if there were, I think they'd maybe just use some old like behind-the-scenes footage and clean it up of Carrie Fisher on one of the movies or just some shots we've never seen before of her or any other character for that matter. I don't think they're going to cast anybody new if they are going to do flashbacks, which I just doubt anyway. So I think part of the story is true. She'll probably be in it, but not as a young Princess Leia. Yeah, and this was yet another rumor, this like two-in-one episode, that I think originated from Latino Review. And I was like, you know, I actually believe that one. Um, (laughs) Or certainly don't doubt it. I mean, you know, could still just be a rumor at this point. But if they've spotted her like around Pinewood and everything. And, I mean, if you think about it, like in the prequel trilogy, George Lucas and all his kids had cameos in those movies. So... I would not be surprised and nor would I have a problem with Carrie Fisher's daughter having a cameo in episode seven. I don't think it's going to be anything more than that because uh, the report I read said that, uh, you know, she doesn't have any acting experience. Um, so I wouldn't think JJ Abrams is going to like go ahead and I mean, I heard some people speculating like that she was going to play Han and Leia's daughter in the movie. Um, and I don't think that's going to happen because oh, yeah. for one thing, I already think that's the character Daisy Ridley is playing. And two, you wouldn't give a role like that to someone with no acting experience and you wouldn't make, I mean, if you did and it was just a cameo, like, I mean, these are, this is Han Solo and Princess Leia we're talking about. If they have a kid, she's going to be an important character and not just, you know, a background cameo. Um, so I would think if, you know, if she is going to be in the movie, it would probably just be as a small cameo appearance. Now, as for the flashbacks thing, um, yeah, like you said, they've they've never done flashbacks as part of Star Wars. I mean, even in Clone Wars, as far as I can remember, the only time we really saw flashbacks were like in the the opening, uh, you know, sort of montage that they showed. Dennis um, had that small one in the Night Sister trilogy. Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So we have one flashback showing the backstory of Ventress, which I loved because it was pretty much the same way that they had it in the Dark Horse comics, except yeah. that they made her a night sister instead of uh rat attacky. But um yeah, I, I don't really see them doing that with episode seven. If anything, I would think maybe it's for either a flashback in one of the spin-off films, or maybe there's a spin-off film that takes place in between episodes three and four, or you know, maybe even some other time during the Rebellion era and she's um, you know, playing a you know, either a cameo or just like a smaller role of, uh, of Princess Leia. Um, cause I would think, you know, if, if she has, uh, you know, if she doesn't have any acting experience and they want her to play like a completely new character who's supposed to be Han and Leia's daughter and sort of be her own new character in this universe, that might be kind of tough, but I'm sure she's probably grown up around her mom and around star Wars enough to be able to, do a decent princess Leia impression for, you know, maybe one or two scenes if that were the case. But, um, either way, I'm still betting on cameo, but if it is for, for a younger Leia, um, whether it's as an, a, a you know, a 
current appearance in a uh, spinoff film or whether it's a um, just a flashback, I would still think that either way, I would bet that that's going to be in one of the spinoff movies because, like I said, the the flashbacks are never something they've done in Star Wars, and I would think if they're going to introduce that as sort of a storytelling element, I would think that one of the spinoff films would be the place to do it, that that would be where you'd maybe start taking a little bit more artistic license with it and try some things that haven't been done before because uh, I, I do think in you know seven, eight, nine, it should feel consistent with one through six in terms of um, you know the the look and feel and the way they tell the stories and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, one hundred percent agree. I think too much is looking into the parts of being in the movie. Like you said, it's going to be like something we saw in the prequels with Lucas's kids and even Lucas himself, just as uh, General Papanoida, just standing in the background. Maybe we probably won't even notice her in there. <laughs> so uh, it'd be cool, like you said, if maybe each of their kids have like a small cameo in there, kind of like Lucas's kids, maybe Mark Hamill's son and Harrison Ford's kids and Carrie Fisher's, <laughs> just kind of have their their real offspring be in the movie along with their fictional offspring, <laughs> even though maybe most people won't notice it. Just maybe a little inside thing. <laughs> yeah, that can be funny. But I guess the other really big story that happened since our last episode was, I guess technically it could still be considered a rumor, but this is getting reported from some like very reputable trade sites like Deadline, where it looks like we have a writer and director for episode eight and possibly episode nine where Deadline reported that Ryan Johnson is set to direct episode eight and write it. And they're reporting, because this one got some updates as it went along too. It was originally reported by Deadline that he was hired to write write and direct episodes eight and nine. But then it came out later on where it's supposed to be he's going to write and direct episode eight and then write a treatment for nine. And when I first heard this report, I was surprised more than anything, just for the fact that I really thought J.J. Abrams was going to wait and see how this whole process of making episode seven, how it all turns out, and then make his decision maybe a few weeks or a few months after episode seven is released to kind of officially announce that he's, or make his decision that he's going to come back to direct the next one. I really thought he was going to stick around for the whole trilogy of episodes seven, eight, and nine. So this one kind of surprised me at first, but then with Star Wars, this isn't nothing new because, of course, we know George Lucas didn't direct Empire and Return of the Jedi. So it could be something similar to that where each movie is going to have its own director. But another thing that came to mind was how Lucasfilm was planning all this where the main thing I'm really questioning, or not questioning, but just wondering the process of how it's going about is the script for Episode 8 and 9 because you would think that when writing Episode 7 whether it was taken from Michael Arndt's draft and what J.J. Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan did, you'd think they'd have some stuff already planned out for episodes eight and nine. There's going to be certain things that Ryan Johnson's going to have to follow. So when I first heard this, I was thinking, well, I wonder, or what caught me by surprise was that I was, would think that Ryan Johnson would fall into the categories like Gareth Edwards and Gary Whitta and now uh, Josh Trank for their standalone movies where he'd do a standalone movie because... Seem like they're getting directors who've written and directed their previous movies, and they kind of have a little more creative freedom to do what they want in a standalone movie rather than episodes eight and nine, which just goes again to why I'm kind of surprised that JJ isn't doing it. Because I always imagine, sure, anything's possible where things change, but I always thought to myself that episodes seven, eight, and nine were going to be JJ Abrams and Lawrence Kasdan's babies. Like, this is going to be the stuff they're going to handle all the way through. So, my first initial reaction was it was surprised, but 
then I kind of, once I started thinking or my shot getting over being surprised, I didn't never saw Looper originally when the story came out, but I just actually saw it over the weekend and it just made me more excited <laughs> to see what Ryan Johnson's going to do with Star Wars because I really enjoyed that. And I also saw Chronicle this past weekend too, which Josh Trank did. And I think actually we didn't talk too much about Josh Trank on our last episode because we kind of went on that tangent about those people who wanted uh, episodes one to three to be out of continuity in part of the Legends <laughs> uh, section. But um, going back to that, Josh Trank is probably the one I'm most excited about for the standalone movie because I really like Chronicle. It was I didn't know too much about it going in, so when I saw it, it was something really different. And both Chronicle and Looper had some uses of telekinesis and like force <laughs> maneuverability <laughs> with uh, their characters. So maybe that played a part into these directors getting the jobs. But I really like what I saw from both movies. So I'm just more excited for what they're going to give us now. And just Lucasfilm is doing a great job getting everything lined up in place for the future of Star Wars after episode seven. So after being initially surprised, my excitement grew for this announcement. So I can't wait to see what uh, Ryan Johnson had in store for episode eight. Yeah, you know, I still haven't seen Chronicle, but um, yeah, I have seen Looper and I thought that movie was great. And this was actually one where, you know, I didn't have to go out and watch it like after they made this announcement. Um, but this guy, I don't know if it was Ryan or Rian Johnson, it's R-I-A-N. I thought it Everyone calls him Ryan. So. Ryan. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll just go with that then. But I mean, when I first saw this rumor or this report or whatever, um, I mean, the name didn't ring any bells. So I was like, oh, who's this guy? And then uh, I saw, you know, he wrote and directed Looper. I was like, I'm on board. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, even though, I mean, a lot of these guys, Gareth Edwards and Ryan Johnson and, um, the Josh, one Trank. Josh Trank, yeah, they don't have a whole lot of directing experience, but they it seems like they all have just like one or two movies yeah. under their belt that have been pretty successful or pretty well regarded. And so, um, you know, obviously the, the people at Lucasfilm and Disney are putting a lot of faith in these guys. Like, you know, they don't necessarily have this long proven track record, but they've shown potential and they think that uh, they can bring something good to the table with Star Wars. Um, and like you said, I think my first reaction to this was uh, what well, I, I guess maybe I was a little bit different than you because my first reaction was not necessarily surprised that JJ Abrams wasn't doing episode eight, but I was surprised that we were hearing an announcement about it this soon. Um, although, you know, it wasn't an official announcement from Lucasfilm, but like you said, this was being reported by like Hollywood trade, you know, news sites and not just, uh, you know, the, the usual rumor mill. Um, and, I mean, J.J. Abrams had said that, like, he wasn't yet, he wasn't going to commit yet to doing eight and nine and, uh, you know, was going to see how it goes. So, I mean, I was hoping that he would be on board for the whole trilogy, but I certainly am not surprised that he's not doing all of them. Um, or, I mean, for all we know, he could return and do episode nine and maybe he just wanted to break and didn't want to do eight. But, um, I mean, I, I am kind of, well, on the one hand, I guess I'm not really surprised that Disney has found someone else already because, I mean, like I was talking about earlier, they just want to keep the train moving and, uh, you know, want to make this whole Star Wars franchise just a well-oiled machine that's just cranking out good movies. And so, I mean, uh, as soon as one person says they're not on board, they want to get somebody else. But I thought that maybe J.J. Abrams would want to wait to finish production on Episode Seven before he decided if he was going to come back for... Um, eight or nine or not. And so maybe he's already decided that he didn't want to, or maybe, um, you know, maybe he was still like on the fence about it. And Disney said, well, since you haven't committed, we're just going to go ahead and get somebody else. Because I mean, if you think about it, 
episode seven is, I mean, if it's still on track for next year, episode eight would then be coming out in 2017. So, I mean, it's not really too early for them to start kind of putting some pieces together there, you know, getting a writer and director and start thinking about a script and, uh, you know, planning some of that stuff out. I mean, like you said, they've got treatments for seven, eight and nine. Um, and so I'm sure, you know, they, they've got stuff to go off of in terms of sort of planning the stories of the next movies. Um, it, it is kind of a shame that, uh, you know, again, with the whole Disney business thing, like they, they could have maybe pushed J.J. Abrams a little too much with this. Because honestly, I mean, to, to be doing two Star Wars movies or three Star Wars movies back to back that are coming out two years apart. I mean, I'm sure that's going to be a huge workload for him. And I can understand why he would want to you know, take some time off and go back and be with his family and do whatever else he's going to do. I mean, if you think about the Star Trek movies, like the first one came out 2009 and Into Darkness came out in 2013. So that's four years apart. We've usually had Star Wars movies three years apart. And now, you know, to be doing them every two years, like he would pretty much be going straight into production on episode eight as soon as episode seven was done. Um, because, you know, episode seven is a year and a half away and they're full steam ahead on production on that right now. So I can certainly understand if he didn't want to, you know, make that much of a time commitment. Um, and that is one area where I'm like, you know, I, I love that we're getting a new Star Wars movie every year, but I would not mind waiting a little bit longer just because that's what we're used to. And if we get, you know, really talented, creative people like J.J. Abrams, I don't want to push them out of the franchise because we're working them too hard. But, um, at the same time, I mean, I'm excited to see what Ryan Johnson can do with this um, and see what he can bring to the table. And, um, you know, whether he ends up doing eight and nine or just episode eight and we get somebody else for episode nine. Um, yeah, I'm sure they're going to pick, you know, continue to pick great filmmakers and people that uh, are going to be passionate about Star Wars and make some more great movies. Yeah, and although it hasn't been officially confirmed by Lucasfilm just yet, <laughs> I don't know if you saw uh, Ryan Johnson's tweet. He sent out the day a deadline reported this. He didn't necessarily say anything to confirm it, but he posted like a quick video that kind of confirmed it. It was a, a video from the movie The Right Stuff, where the character just says, oh, like, please, God, don't let me uh, F this up. <laughs> so that kind of pretty much said his reaction to him getting the job for Star Wars. So. <laughs> More yeah, or less, he confirmed think, it without confirming it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think I saw that, but I, I think I read somewhere, like I read about that somewhere that he had posted that, so... Yeah, yeah so it's just a matter of time before we hear the official announcement about this. And who knows? Maybe this is something where, like, the reporting just got misread uh, or misheard, and is maybe this is actually for a standalone movie or just episode eight. It has nothing to do with episode nine. That's why I really want to hear the official announcement from Lucasfilm just to find out exactly what Ryan Johnson is going to be doing for Star Wars. Because I definitely think he's involved with it now, but as far as exactly what remains to be seen. So hopefully soon. Yeah. Well, again, I'm still surprised that we're hearing anything about episode eight this soon while episode seven is still in production. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Lucasfilm waited till they wrap production on episode seven to, um, you know, to make an official statement about this. And it wouldn't really bother me either. I'm not going to be like on the edge of my seat, like, oh, come on, we've already heard about it. Just tell us already. Um, yeah. You know, because, of course, we've still got all this episode seven stuff going on right now and then a spinoff movie before episode eight so um you know that's not like at the top of my list on stuff i really want to know about but um you know i'm sure they'll tell us when they're ready but yeah like we said this isn't confirmed yet but seems like it's probably happening it also makes me think too as far as how much involved uh kasdan and uh, simon kidbert are going to be with 
episode eight or the standalone movies because way back those were the two names that were announced to be working on the standalone movies and how Lawrence Kasdan was a consultant on episode seven until later he rewrote the script for it so I'm still wondering as far as how much more they're going to be involved with the future Star Wars movies I'm sure Kasdan is going to have a treatment for episode eight and nine or at least have some input with the story maybe that's where he's going to be more of the advisor role but Simon Kimber we haven't heard too much on besides Rebels but the thing that has me thinking where he's going to be involved maybe with Josh Trank's standalone movie is that uh, Simon Kinberg is writing the new Fantastic Four movie that Josh Trank is directing. So I wonder while making that project, they got talking about uh, Simon Kinberg's Star Wars uh, standalone movie project he has going on. And then that's what Josh Trank is going to do. But when they announced Josh Trank, they didn't announce the writer or a release date for his movie. So I'm wondering if that's what Simon Kinberg is going to be involved. It just got me thinking that we haven't heard those two names out of sight of Episode Seven and Rebels lately. And this makes me wonder if they're still going to have a big presence in the standalone movies or Episode Eight and Nine. Yeah, that could be very possible, which you were talking about with uh, Simon Kinberg and Josh Trank working together. I could see that happening. Um, and also, like you said, I could also just see Kinberg and... Uh, Lawrence Kasdan just sort of being story consultants, maybe doing rewrites of other people's scripts or doing, you know, initial treatments before these other screenwriters take over. Um, and so I think, you know, I mean, they, they certainly could write more entire scripts themselves, but I think they're also sort of, um, I guess maybe more like on the, on the film production side of things, they have similar roles to like Pablo Hidalgo and the people in the, the Lucasfilm story group who just sort of oversee the, the general storytelling aspect of it. Um, and so I think, you know, they could just sort of be like the, the general sort of executive producers or like script overseers for, you know, all these different movies coming out. I mean, I don't know exactly, but um, I'm sure up at Skywalker Ranch, they're do, definitely busy doing something. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's for sure. I'm sure they have uh, already starting production on for the third standalone movie in episode nine. <laughs> like, talks already starting for those stuff. Yeah. Maybe they're and, already, yeah. already uh, have uh, the directors and writers in place for those movies and they're just not announcing it yet. Yeah. Well, then again, Simon Kinberg is doing everything nowadays. I mean, I have no idea how the guy has the, the time to do all the projects that he's working on. He wrote the the most recent x-men movie days of future past i believe he's writing the next one x-men yep. apocalypse um he supposedly is writing a star wars movie although we don't know which one yet we already know he's written at least three episodes of star wars rebels and he's an executive producer on that show and he's like you said writing the uh the new fantastic four movie and probably has at least one or two other projects that I've forgotten to mention or haven't even heard about yet or something. So, I mean, well, you know what, at the same time though, I mean, JJ Abrams is kind of the same way. Like, you know, you hear that he's directing star Wars episode seven and you think, Oh man, well that's probably going to you know take up all of his time. And then the new TV season starts in the fall and you see like three or four shows where it's like executive producer, JJ Abrams. I'm like, how does he do all of this? Yeah, I know. Well, in Simon, Simon Kimberg's case, if all the projects that he's working on are as good as X-Men Days of Future Past, I'll be really happy. <laughs> I will be too. Yeah, so just have to wait and see when we heard the official announcement for Ryan Johnson. But like I said, this past weekend, I saw Chronicle on Friday. I saw Luper on Saturday. So I wanted to make that weekend to catch up on uh, 
movies that are going to be that were done by future Star Wars directors. And I was already excited about those announcements, but after seeing those movies, it just made me more pumped up for it. You could see why Lucasfilm wanted to get these directors, not just directors, but writers and directors for both of those movies, which again, is just great to see. They wanted to get the full creative talent from these directors too, because those are both awesome stories and different stories too. So just really can't wait to see what they're going to do for Star Wars. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, I just hope there's no time travel in episode eight. Yeah. <laughs> Looper was cool, but that time travel stuff can kind of get confusing. And it was all right in that movie, but we, we yeah. don't need that in Star Wars. I, like, I think I said this before, but time travel in Star Wars is something that's rarely touched on. And I wouldn't mind seeing that in a movie done some way, shape, or form, whether it's in a standalone movie or something. I just want to see Star Wars tackle that aspect some, somewhere down the line. Yeah, <laughs> so. I, I, I would be perfectly fine if they stay completely away from that. <laughs> Time will tell. <laughs> or at least if they do. Because, I mean, the the thing that I sort of dislike the most, I mean, even though I like some time travel stories, I mean, heck, I watch Doctor Who. I'm a big fan of that show, and that's all about time travel and all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, especially in Star Wars, like, I really wouldn't want them going back in the past to try to, like, prevent something from happening because I'm like, the story's already happened. We already know and love these characters, and now there's going to be some Jedi that goes back in time to try to kill Anakin Skywalker so Darth Vader never happens. Like, yeah, I, I don't even want that to be a possibility, even yeah. though I'm sure they wouldn't write the story to where he actually succeeded in doing that. But, I mean, if anything, if they did do it, I want it to. I would want it to, A be like a small part of the story and not like this big, huge thing. And B, I would want it to maybe somehow involve the force. Like somebody goes back in time to try to change something and, you know, or maybe they, they try to save somebody from dying and, you know, like somebody got killed with a lightsaber. And so they stop them from getting killed by a lightsaber. And then that person ends up getting run over by a pod racer or something instead. I don't know. And like, you know, the same thing keeps happening. Like, even if you change the way that it happens, like the, uh, the outcome always stays the same so that the, the universe stays in balance and it could have something to do with like, Oh, this is the will of the force and you can't mess with it and all that kind of stuff. I think that I, I won't say I'd be okay with that. I would say that would be the, the most okay way that I would be with it if they did do that. But I just hope that they don't. Yeah. When I say time, time travel, I agree with what you said, how don't have it be where they're trying to change like one of the main story aspects or characters from the main movies. I think it would be cool if it's like the reason they go back in time or whatever is story-wise is totally different, has nothing to do with episodes one through nine. But if they go back to one of those eras, whether it's the prequel trilogy era, era or the original trilogy era, and just have them set in that time period where you maybe mention, like, you hear, overhear certain things that are happening that we saw in the previous movies, like the Death Star getting blown up or the Clone Wars happening. Something like that I think would be pretty cool to see down the line. But Yeah, but see, if that were the case, I'd rather just have a standalone film set in that time period rather yeah. than have the characters in Episode Nine try to travel back to that time period. Yeah, definitely. I think if they're going to do a time travel movie, it should be a standalone film. Or you do a whole other trilogy just based off that of time travel, because I'm sure it'll open a whole other can of worms, which I'm sure will make fans happy to speculate and debate about. Yeah. <laughs> debate about imagine time travel theories and all that stuff. Yeah, let's let's keep that can of worms closed. I'm sure the story group would love that. <laughs> <laughs> but that's pretty much it for all the big rumors that we've had since our last episode, and it definitely spawned a lot of great <laughs> speculation and conversation. That's for sure. It's again, just 
even though they're rumors, it's still exciting to talk about. Just even though in the back of your head or whatever, you might not believe all of them. It's just fun to speculate on, just fun to talk about the possibilities. So even though we had pretty much a good month's worth of news to talk about, some official and some just rumors, but still fun nonetheless. Yeah, and pretty much the only confirmed thing we got was that Harrison Ford hurt himself. Yeah. <laughs> and then other than that, it's just story speculation. So, yeah, it's definitely been fun. It's been a while since we've gotten to go off on all these different uh, – I wouldn't necessarily say tangents, but, you know, just talking about all these different story possibilities and, uh, you know, different possible villains and things we might like to see happen and who all the characters are going to be and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely, uh, you know, always fun to – get to talk about all this kind of stuff, but especially on a, on a show like this when we've got just lots of rumor material to kind of sink our teeth into. Yeah. And we also had some of the, well, two episode seven cast members do a few interviews where um, one of them was Domhnall Gleeson, where he didn't reveal anything. He's saying he's not going to talk about episode seven until after the DVD comes out. <laughs> not revealing anything. But he just goes on to say how the reason he's doing it is because the script is great. J.J. Abrams is great and the cast is great. And so it's like pretty much everything you're looking for in the movie. So it's just, again, good to hear more praise go to Abrams and the script because you've pretty much heard that from the, at least the cast members who have talked have given nothing but praise to both the script and Abrams. So just cool to hear that again. But the cool thing was uh, Andy Serkis just did a recent interview with Sci-Fi Now where he confirmed that his uh, pretty much performance capture studio, the Imaginarium, is going to be working on Episode Seven, but also uh, other Star Wars movies. So, man, if you see stuff from Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, <laughs> which looks amazing, I just can't wait to see what's going to be in Star Wars. Just, he doesn't confirm that he's going to be doing performance capture. He just says, yeah, I'm in it, and my studio is going to be working on it. But just the fact that a studio, Imaginarium, is going to be doing the performance capture is great news because, man, Planet of the Apes looks amazing. It's <laughs> really like apes walking around with guns and riding horses. You pretty much can't even tell it's CG. So... Just when they get to the point of Star Wars, I just imagine it's going to be look, look even better than what we're seeing now. So this news got me pretty excited. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, like you said, he was still sort of cryptic as to, to what character he's playing. Like he said, I don't remember the exact quote, but the way he worded it was something along the lines of like, yeah, my studio is doing the per like all the work for the performance capture characters in all of Star Wars and I'm playing a part or I'm one of those or something like, you know, in a way that like he sort of made it almost sound like it was related to, to the performance capture. So you might assume that he's playing a motion capture character, but he still didn't entirely confirm that. And I know a lot of people are just assuming that because that's sort of what he's known for, but I'm still not entirely convinced because I have seen, I know at least one movie where he's, you know, appeared on screen just as himself. And, uh, you know, we don't know if, um, I mean, obviously there are like plenty of, of aliens or robots or whatever that he could do in Star Wars as CG, but I mean, he can, you know, be, uh, you know, just fine as well as just a, a regular human with no, uh, you know, prosthetic or suit or on or anything like that. So, um, I mean, as far as that, like, I'm, I'm still pretty excited to see like what they end up doing with that, um, but yeah, as far as him and his studio doing the the motion capture for all the characters, like it couldn't be in in better hands. Like you said, the the stuff for yeah. the new Planet of the Apes movie looks awesome. But I mean, even all the way back to to Gollum and Lord of the Rings, like Andy Serkis is the master of this thing. 
Um, and even like I've been hearing about other movies recently, um, particularly the Avengers too, which was in the same report where he's starting to work as a consultant on other films where other actors are doing performance capture and he goes in to like help them out and sort of teach them the, the tips and tricks. And I think it's just really cool that he doesn't really, uh, sort of distinguish between the two. I mean, he talks about that in this yeah. report too, like. Um, they asked him something about like the dis- the distinction between um, you know doing on camera acting and doing motion capture, and he's like, I don't really distinguish between the two. Like acting is acting. I I still show up and act my scenes and do my voices and all that kind of stuff. And pretty much the only thing that's different is what I wear to work every day. Like you know, you wear a costume if you're actually going to be on character, or for the motion capture characters, you wear the suit with all the dots on it and stuff. But I mean, he, he approaches it pretty much the same way. And it's like, you know, he doesn't see himself as just sort of moving around on a stage and doing some movements that are going to be translated to a digital character. Like he's there acting it out and giving his performance. And, um, I mean, obviously he's done fantastic work with it. I mean, even like the first, uh, rise of the planet of the apes, uh, wait, that was the first one, right? It was Rise yeah, of the Planet of the Apes and Dawn is the new one. Yeah, I mean, the first one, he was really good at that, and I can't wait to see him in the second one. But um, I just think it's really cool to to see him, you know, doing more roles and having his own studio and working with other actors on more movies and stuff now. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be great to, to have him be... I mean, whatever character he's going to be in Star Wars, I'm sure he's going to be great. But then also, you know, to have additional CGI aliens and, you know, other new characters and stuff that are going to be performed through motion capture and have him sort of overseeing that whole process, I'm sure is going to make that great as well. So I'm definitely glad to have him on board even more so than I was before. Cause when, I mean, when the first official, uh, you know, cast came out and we saw him on there, it was a surprise to be sure, but I was like, you know, I was just excited to see what sort of uh, character he was going to be playing. Um, didn't really think about his whole studio and him doing all this motion capture work for other characters and stuff. So um, after reading this report, I'm like, you know, episode seven is even in more good hands now than it was before. So, um, you know, just one more great person working on it. Yeah, it's like the best of the best in each category is working on this movie. <laughs> it's like you can't ask for anything more, really, for episode seven. Yeah. Just, man, just can't, can't wait to See, sitting in that theater, seeing it all come together, it's just going to be awesome. Like I said, this is why that small that wrench was thrown into it with Harrison Ford's injury just makes things a little unnerving. But I think when it's all said and done, it's just going to be something truly amazing once we get past all the production and problems that they have for it. Seems like there's always something that goes wrong with the Star Wars movie. <laughs> there's got to be some type of disaster that happens. And like yeah. the death of Thorns for a New Hope in, in uh, episode one, and now you got this with Harrison Ford. So. <laughs> Wait, wait, what did you say for A New Hope? Uh, this desert storm that happened in both A New Hope and Phantom Oh, and Menace. Uh, Phantom Menace, yeah. yeah. Not to mention this ILM not doing their job for A New Hope when Lucas <laughs> went back. So, yeah, just another chapter of a disaster just happening in the making of a Star Wars movie. But. Yeah, plus, you know, in Empire Strikes Back, uh, or before they filmed Empire Strikes Back, Mark Hamill had that motorcycle yeah. accident, and so they were like, oh, well, he's got a scar on his face now, so let's have a Wampa smack him in the face. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe they'll do that with uh, Harrison Ford in this movie. Have a Wampa rat bite him in the leg or something. Yeah, <laughs> or Dianoga wraps it too tight and just breaks it or something. <laughs> And that's pretty much it for the news regarding Episode 7, standalone movies, new directors for Episode 8. But uh, we also have some small Star Wars Rebels uh, news to report. So first off, there was 
uh, announced that the Phineas and Ferb Star Wars special that's going to be airing on the Disney Channel on July 26th. But what was interesting about that announcement was that it also said that on August 4th, when that episode is going to be re-aired, it's going to be part of a Disney XD's uh, having a Star Wars Day type thing where they're going to be running some Star Wars uh, uh, I don't want to say a marathon because they don't necessarily say what they're going to show, but it's going to be like a Star Wars themed day. And after that Phineas and Ferb episode on August 4th, they're going to have an extended look at Star Wars Rebels. And But I heard this part of me was thinking, like, how much is it going to be new to us as a stuff we've already seen? It's going to be a short tease. But then I thought, well, maybe it's actually going to be some of the stuff they showed at uh, Star Wars Weekends last month. Because I know they showed some like actual clips from the episode, but they also had like behind-the-scene videos of them uh, making the show. So I wonder if we're going to see some stuff like that, and they're just going to take what was shown at Star Wars Weekend and then have it on this special. So hopefully it's something that we haven't seen before. I'm kind of hoping it is those behind-the-scenes look because those are always cool to see. Yeah, well, I'm sure it'll be something we haven't seen before, but... I mean, I guess I'm hoping that it's maybe a longer trailer just because we still really haven't seen much of the show at this point. I mean, the longest mm-hmm. trailer we've seen is a minute long. Um, and so even though, you know, they usually don't air really long stuff on TV, like if this is a, a preview that's coming after another show, you know, I I think the longest it would be would probably be like two or three minutes. But, um, you know, I would love to see a two or three minute trailer for Rebels because we haven't seen that much of it yet. Unfortunately, I mean, the fact that this is airing on, what, August 4th, like, that's just getting later and later into the summer, and we still don't have a release date, and, you know, originally we were supposed to have this premiere special on uh, Disney Channel over the summer, and then this show was going to air in the fall, and although, I mean, since we haven't heard an official release date, I'm starting to wonder, I'm like, I don't remember where we heard those reports, but maybe those weren't confirmed, like, maybe that wasn't directly from Lucasfilm or Disney, but... Um, I mean, at this point, I'm just assuming maybe it's, they're still going to start airing it with a one hour special on Disney Channel, but I'm not expecting that to happen over the summer because I mean, if they're yeah. still going to be showing previews for it in August, then I would think like, you know, late August at the latest would be when they would have it. And that's barely still in the summer. So I'm just, you know, going to start preparing myself for a fall release. And if we get something before then, then great. But uh, either way, I mean, I'm excited to see the show when it starts airing. So, yeah, the more previews and trailers and teases and stuff we get as we get closer to it, then, uh, you know, the more the better. Plus, that's going to be after Comic-Con. And there's reports saying that Rebels should have a pretty strong presence at this year's San Diego Comic-Con. So there'll probably definitely be more footage shown there. So, again, it just makes you wonder if it's going to be something brand new or stuff they're going to show at, like, conventions and Star Wars Weekend. But then they're just going to make it more public when... Uh, they air it after that Phineas and Ferb special. But either way, it'd probably be new to most uh, fans who weren't able to attend those events. So it's definitely another thing to look forward to before the actual series premieres, which I'm thinking it's going to be October now because we've heard that, had that report earlier from that post that was on that uh, magazine at that book fair and some more like rumors and just like uh, word of mouth to saying that it's going to be October more than likely. So I'm preparing myself for that release date. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm sure that's going to be when the main series airs, but I was still hoping for you know that sort of premiere special over the summer before the sort of main uh, series starts. But, uh, I mean, either way, yeah, like you said, with Comic-Con coming up, I'm sure we're going to get some stuff there. But I don't think this will just be like them re-airing whatever they showed at Comic-Con because, I mean, at least normally when stuff comes out of there, we've had you know Clone Wars trailers shown at Comic-Con for the first time that they 
put online like the day after or the day of or something like that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I would, I would hope that they wouldn't make us wait that long for that, but either way, I'm sure it's going to be something new because I don't think they would be going out of their way to sort of promote this. And I mean, unless they're just trying to get people to watch the Phineas and Ferb star Wars special, which I have absolutely no interest in watching, even though it's star <laughs> Wars, but um, you know, you can be rest assured. I am going to just wait and watch this online once it goes up. But um, I mean, like, I don't know why, aside from trying to promote that show, I don't see why they would be like promoting and hyping up this, uh, you know, rebels teaser or preview or whatever that they're going to be showing. If it's just, you know, a rehash of Rebels footage that we've already seen. So um, I would be really disappointed if, uh, you know, I watched this expecting to see something new because they'd been, you know, promoting it and everything. And it was just like, I've seen all this already. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but another thing that's kind of leaning towards that October premiere date was that a few days ago, we've had a new trailer or a leaked trailer. I think this came out on June 26th a French trailer for Star Wars Rebels. And it wasn't the whole thing. It was just basically someone filming it from his TV off his phone. But uh, I'm going to throw out the spoiler tag here because this trailer does contain some spoilers for the first two episodes of, of Star Wars Rebels. So if you don't want to know anything about it, this information could be considered spoilers. Because in this trailer, we get a brief look at Obi-Wan Kenobi in a hologram. And there's been speculation, there's rumor about that before. I believe this... Uh, Two weeks ago, or a week or two weeks ago, there's some uh, spoilers that came out from story details about the first few episodes of Star Wars Rebels. And it does say in there that Obi-Wan does appear in the pilot, but only as a holographic recording. And then this French trailer confirmed it. And even though it was in a different language and it was real blurry, you couldn't, couldn't really make it out too well, it was still cool nonetheless to see <laughs> Obi-Wan there in a hologram form. And I'm kind of hoping that it's a holo not a hologram, but actually part of a holocron. Because there have been uh, rumors that the first two episodes are going to focus on, I think, Ezra having a holocron. So I think that would be really cool to see if Obi-Wan is a part of that holocron where he had time to create one. And that is Obi-Wan's holocron. I think that would be awesome. And I don't think it's been officially confirmed, but there has been people saying that James Arnold Taylor is definitely doing the voice, which... Again, if you can have Obi-Wan in this, how can it not be James Arnold Taylor? So that's not too much of a surprise, but it's still kind of good to know that he's going to be back in Star Wars Rebels. So hopefully it's going to be kind of something where maybe not in every episode, but every so often Ezra or Kanan will look at this holocron and gain some wisdom from Obi-Wan. So I was really happy to see that confirmed. Yeah, and you know what also be cool too? I mean, like you said, I'm sure James Arnold Taylor is going to be returning to voice him, but since this is a little bit closer to... It's closer to A New Hope than it is to Revenge of the Sith. And so, um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing, like, how he does the voice and if he tries to bring a little bit more of old Ben Kenobi into this. Yeah. Then, um, <laughs> you know, just make him sound a little bit different. But, um, yeah, that that would definitely be cool to see. Now, for the record, I mean, there have been some more Rebels uh, sort of spoilerish rumor reports going around the past few days, and I haven't read any of them except for this one. Um, and I've seen this, uh, you know, this brief glimpse of the trailer with Obi-Wan in it. But other than that, I mean, there are some sites saying, like, they've got the full plot details for the first yeah. two episodes. And I'm like, I'm just going to wait and see those when they come out. But, um, I mean, we were pretty sure already that Obi-Wan was going to appear in the show at some point. I mean, we'd seen leaked pictures of his action figure and heard some more rumors about it, but, um, yeah, seeing it in this trailer obviously confirms it. And I think it is, in, you know, it's interesting to have him just as a hologram. And like you said, if it was, 
um, his holocron. That's pretty cool because we haven't really seen, and we've, we've seen holocrons used in Clone Wars before, but it was more like, uh, you know, Cad Bane stole a holocron and it had like the names of four sensitive children listed on it. And it was sort of more of like this storage device. Whereas in a lot of the EU stories, holocrons are more like this thing where a Jedi or a Sith can sort of, um, you know, record knowledge and secrets and wisdom and things like that. Um, and sort of like make a recording of themselves, but it's like this interactive thing and it's sort of, interacts with the force a little bit so a jedi can open this up and you don't just hear like a hologram of obi-wan kenobi reciting the same thing over and over again that he recorded but it's almost like a little piece of obi-wan right there where the hologram can actually like talk to you and interact with you and tell you stuff that obi-wan would have told you um and so i think that would be something really cool to bring into it and uh you know see sort of how much they keep or if it is just a, a recording i mean even if it is just a recording still to to say like hey this is a hologram or a holocron recorded by obi-wan kenobi that still would be really cool even if they don't uh you know sort yeah. of bring some more of that interactive aspect into it but also i mean if it's like a a holographic transmission that could be cool in fact whoa you know what i just thought of um there was, I, I think I read somewhere, maybe, and I don't even remember, Tim, maybe you were the one who told me this, or maybe I, I read this on a website somewhere, but um, I think they said something, it was something to do with Kanan and the whole Obi-Wan hologram thing, and it was um, talking about sort of the, the role of the Jedi in this series and like what's happened to them since Order 66, and it's like the reason that there are still Jedi out there is because in Episode 3, when Obi-Wan says, like, he warned, you know, he, he reprogrammed the, the emergency distress beacon in the temple to uh -huh. warn all the Jedi to stay away and stay in hiding and telling them what happened, that some Jedi actually got that message and that it saved some of them, so that's why there's still some Jedi out there right now. Um, and so I'm like, maybe that recording of Obi-Wan, like, maybe Kanan saved that hologram. Um, and you know, it has some significance, like that's the, the reason why he's alive and he's, you know, showing that to Ezra or something like that. So that could be pretty cool. Or, you know, it could be a, a transmission, a live transmission of Obi-Wan from Tatooine. So, um, you know, who knows, but either way, it'll be cool to see Obi-Wan again. Yeah. Well, looking at that trailer, like I said, even though the quality is not the best, he doesn't look like Obi-Wan from episode three in Clone Wars. He does look more like the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan. That's why I really can't wait to kind of get an official release of this trailer over here in the U.S. So we can see nice crystal clear HD quality to see exactly what his new model is going to look like. Because like you said, just having Obi-Wan be a part of it, regardless of how small or how large, is going to be awesome. <laughs> just another thread to the Clone Wars and just Star Wars in general, having at least one classic character return for the series is going to be awesome to see. So that definitely made my day when I saw that as yeah. bad a quality as it was. <laughs> Although in but, fact, though, I mean, just when you mentioned, you know, the fact that it looks more like old Ben Kenobi, that makes me think that this hologram probably is more of a, um, you know, probably like an actual hologram where they're talking to him, because if it was a recorded holocron, at least I would think it would be cooler to see, um, you know, have it like be like he recorded this during the Clone Wars or shortly afterwards or something like that. And so it still looks more like Clone Wars Obi-Wan and it would be sort of a nice little throwback to the Clone Wars series. But if it looks like old Obi-Wan, then um, I mean, who knows? Maybe he just recently recorded this holocron and Kanan went and picked it up from him on Tatooine right before they met Ezra. But um, I mean, I would think that if they were going to go for sort of the recorded wisdom of obi-wan kenobi that it might be a, a little bit older throwback kind of thing but if it's 
you know, an older looking Obi-Wan closer to A New Hope, like maybe they're actually talking to him for whatever. I mean, I'm sure Obi-Wan did something on Tatooine for 20 years besides just sit around and scare off sand people and practice his crate dragon calls. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think it would be pretty cool to, to maybe find out that he is um, kind of somehow involved behind the scenes in the making of this rebellion. I mean, we know in A New Hope, like Princess Leia is trying to get the Death Star plans to him. And uh, she makes it seem like, oh, yeah, you you served my father all these years ago in the Clone Wars. And now he's the only one who uh, or you not now you're the only one that he can turn to to try to do something about these Death Star plans. But I mean, maybe Obi-Wan was secretly communicating with Bail Organa. Maybe he had a little bit more to do with this than we knew about. I mean, I doubt he was out there on the front line, you know, fighting stormtroopers because Vader didn't even know he still existed um, or, you know, didn't know where he was or, you know, hadn't seen him in like 20 years when they meet on the Death Star in A New Hope. But, um, you know, as much as I would like to see Rebels focus on, on the new characters and on the Rebel characters, I mean, I want to see more of Bail Organa and Mon Mothma and all this kind of stuff. But, I mean, to bring someone like Obi-Wan in, um, I, I think would make sense and be pretty cool. I mean, I've said before, I'm not real crazy about seeing a whole lot of, like, young uh, Luke and Leia, you know, Han maybe less so. Like, I, I think uh, seeing some young Han in there could be pretty cool. But I think Obi-Wan is a character that, that makes sense to bring into it um, in, you know, somewhat of a, a supporting role. I mean, like I said, he's not going to be, like, the main action hero, but um, that could be pretty cool to see him from time to time. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, all the stuff we're speculating on, I think all that information is out there from uh, makingstarwars.net. They're, again, they're the ones who posted pretty much the synopsis and details for the first two episodes. So those are, are out there. But like you, Kyle, since it's so close, we're just a few months away, I want to stay away from it. And just be surprised on some things when I'm watching the episodes and just seeing how and why they interact with Obi-Wan is something I want to be surprised on. So I'm not going to look at those just yet. But the only other little bit, little bit of uh, Star Wars Rebels information that came out, it's not official, but the Fortinet was reporting that um, their sources were saying that uh, they finally know who's going to be playing the Inquisitor for the series, and they're saying it's going to be uh, Jason Isaacs, or Jason Isaacs, yeah, who they mentioned is from the Harry Potter films, but I don't think I've actually seen any of his movies. So all I know him from is some voiceover work he's done for the DC animated stuff. I believe he's did Rachel Gould for uh, Batman Under the Red Hood, which he did a great job. So I could definitely see his voice uh, playing the Inquisitor, but not too familiar with his movie roles anyway, but it sounds like it could be a good casting for the Inquisitor. Well, yeah, I'm sure myself and anyone else who's, you know, seen the Harry Potter movies and was a fan of those growing up, at least for me, I can definitely picture Lucius Malfoy voicing the Inquisitor. Um, And he's, I've also seen, I think the only other movie I've seen him in is uh, The Patriot with Mel Gibson, which he also played a villain in that movie and is just one of those villains in that movie. I haven't even seen that movie in a long time and I don't even remember all that much about it, but I remember hating him in that movie for, for something he did. I mean, he's one of those, he's one of those good actors who plays really dislikable characters really well. Um, and so I, I think, uh, it, it, it's funny that I've seen him in several movies and you haven't, but you've seen him in a lot of, uh, you know, voiceover animated stuff. And I didn't even know he did voiceover kind of stuff. So, um, you know, I thought, uh, maybe this was like, oh, they're bringing in this uh, pretty well-known actor to do like voiceover for the first time. But if he's done voiceover for DC animation before, then I'm sure he's going to fit right in with Clone Wars and, uh, or sorry, with Rebels 
and uh, do a great job voicing this Inquisitor, if this is true. But um, again, this is one of those rumors where it's like, I don't really have any reason to doubt this, aside from the fact that it hasn't been officially confirmed. But I can definitely see him voicing the Inquisitor and doing a good job of it. And I wonder what's uh, keeping them from announcing who's voicing the Inquisitor. I would hope it's going to be Comic-Con, where they make that finally make that announcement. Because it's something they kept a secret for a long time. I mean, he was the first character revealed, but now he's going to be the last... Uh, reveal of what actor is going to be playing them. So I just find it curious why the Inquisitor is the one they're keeping a secret for this long time, especially if it is Jason Isaacs. And it's not, because a lot of people were speculating, this is going to, he's going to tie into episode seven and who's voicing him is going to be in episode seven, but it doesn't look like that's going to be the case. So I just find it kind of puzzling as why they just kept it a secret for so long. Yeah. It's interesting to think about. And I mean, like you said, we, we also heard this, sort of some rumors connecting this and those ones about episode seven with the villains because we heard that uh david oyelowo uh, is gonna be i mean we haven't even heard him um officially announced as part of the episode seven cast yet but one of those rumors was saying that he was going to be playing one of the jedi hunters in episode seven and that he was also going to be voicing the inquisitor in rebels and that maybe he was going to be playing the same character or be playing another inquisitor or something like that um, and then, um, I, you know, read some other reports where people were saying like, well, no, he's actually not going to be playing the Inquisitor, but he's playing Agent Callus in Rebels. Yeah. Um, and we don't know who's playing him yet either. So that certainly is still a possibility that's on the table. Um, but yeah, like you said, it, it is sort of puzzling that they're, um, sort of holding back the reveal of these voice actors. Um, but I mean, at the same time, it's not like the show is still, you know, a couple months or a few months away. So it's not like they have to reveal everything up front. Um, and I'm trying to think with Clone Wars, like, I don't think we knew, you know, real far ahead of time, like who was voicing everybody. We knew who was voicing Yoda and Anakin and Obi-Wan and Ahsoka and, uh, you know, maybe some of the other characters, but, um, but yeah, I mean, it seems weird that it, like, it's not just that we haven't heard an official announcement but because we've seen so much imagery of this character and like you said the inquisitor was like one of the first or the like the first character that they revealed for the show um it's like they're sort of hyping him up as a big character and yet they've announced a lot of the voice cast and yet they haven't told us who's voicing this guy so it seems like they're kind of purposely trying to keep it under wraps for some reason or another and then there's the fact i mean we've heard some other rumors. And like I said, I haven't read these detail, like real in detail um, stuff about the the first two episodes of rebels, but I have heard just some sort of some general stuff that in the first two episodes, it just deals with like agent Callus is the main villain for the first two episodes. And uh, also it's the storyline involving Wookiees and, you know, the main heroes are trying to free some Wookiees or something. And they run across agent Callus and the stormtroopers and all that. And then, um, I mean, the shot that we saw in the first trailer where Callus uh, is um, reporting to the Inquisitor and telling him that he's encountered these rebels and that there's a Jedi with them. Like, that's when the Inquisitor comes in. So it almost seems like in the show, his appearance might be a bit more of a surprise. Um, or, you know, he, he's like someone that comes in later down the line. And yet they're hyping him up like he's the main villain of the show that we see right from the get-go. So I don't know. It's weird. It's it's almost like they're they're contradicting themselves in their marketing com- campaign. Like on yeah. the one hand, they're trying to keep the Inquisitor a secret. And on the other hand, they're trying to hype him up and make sure everybody knows about him. So I don't know. Maybe there's something about him that we'll still uh, be totally surprised by when we see it. Yeah. Like I said, hopefully I think Comic-Con is going to be the time where 
they make that announcement. Maybe they won't reveal too much about the Inquisitor, but maybe just his voice actor is kind of what I'm guessing. But yeah. we'll see. Yeah, and we will indeed. The last bit of news we have to report on is some good news, actually, is that Clone Wars has won two more Emmys. It took home the awards for uh, Outstanding Individual Achievement in Animation and also Outstanding Special Class Animated Program, which I think is the big one that they won last year, too. So yeah. I thought last year was going to be, like, the one time to win the Emmys, but apparently they were up for another one or for another year, and they took home two of them, which was cool because I think it was still for the season five episodes and not the season six Lost Mission stuff. So, No, maybe, I think it was for the Lost Missions. I thought I read somewhere that it was for, or one of the awards I knew was, was for the Ahsoka arc. I think it was to catch a Jedi was what won for something. But Oh, okay. Well, you know, it could have been for that um, that outstanding achievement in individual animation or whatever the thing yeah. Could be for that one, but uh, yeah, I don't know because the the awards that they won last year were all for like the season five stuff. Yeah, regardless, it's so good to see them win again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I we talked about this on our last episode when uh, they had been nominated for the awards, and I was like, I didn't even see that coming because it's not on TV anymore. And it's yeah. just sort of like these bonus episodes that have been released on Netflix and everything. And so I was just thinking this is more like an extra thing for the fans. I know we get to watch a few more Clone Wars episodes, but I didn't even think of this in the category of like stuff that airs on TV and gets considered for Emmy awards and everything. And so it was like, we had this final season and the series finale and we won our Emmy awards and now we get our bonus episodes and I'm happy. And then they're like, Oh, the bonus episodes got nominated for Emmys too. Sweet. Um, and so, yeah, the fact that they won again and won for, for special class animated program, uh, just, you know, more icing on the cake, but at the same time, I mean, totally well-deserved because I mean, we've talked about this so much before in our episodes where we covered, uh, those bonus mission, uh, the lost missions episodes, um, I mean, the, especially the Order 66 arc and the Yoda arc are some of the best episodes they've done in the entire show. Um, and so it's like if the show was deserving of winning an Emmy before, like it's even more so now because these episodes were better than some of the other ones we've seen. I guess one of the two, can the Lost Misses episodes be nominated for Emmy Awards since they technically weren't on TV? Does that automatically disqualify them? I Maybe. don't think so. You know, I'm going to try to go look it up right now, but I think... I'm pretty sure I remember reading somewhere that they, they like something I read said that the Lost Mission specifically had been nominated for uh, for an Emmy award. Yeah, because like I said, that's why I was surprised why I saw the Ahsoka arc get an award when I was thinking, oh, this has got to be for the season six episode. And when it was, I was like, oh, that's interesting. This made me think maybe they can't win awards for those since they didn't air on TV, which would stink. <laughs> but I could see that playing a part where it won't actually technically be qualified to be nominated for any daytime Emmy awards, but it definitely should for all the reasons you just said for those great arcs. Yeah. Well, and I don't know, maybe it was like a technicality thing where they wanted to nominate them for the lost missions, but they technically couldn't. So they just nominated some more episodes from season five. I don't know. Yeah. Make up for all the times that weren't nominated and didn't win <laughs> now that it's gone. But yeah, that's pretty much it for all the news and tons of rumors to report on. <laughs> some some crazy, some logical, some good news, some bad news. We had it all in this episode, except not too much official stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then you know something else we didn't even talk about the uh, that uh, Darth Maul son of Daphne comic that uh, I mean the second yeah. issue that just came out a couple weeks ago. 
um, just more great stuff in that story arc. And yeah, I think I liked it better than the first issue. And again, I think we're going to say this for every issue, but this would have been amazing to see at the episodes because there were some more cool battle sequences in there. It's <laughs> some really cool stuff. Yeah. But again, I just can't wait for when we get the, all four issues and you just read them back to back to back to back, <laughs> all four of them in one shot. It's like you're watching the whole arc. Yeah, so, definitely. But uh, we do have some emails to read before we wrap up this episode. We got one email from loyal listener Brian Bailey, who just barely sent the email before we started recording, but <laughs> he got it in in time. He says, hey, guys, fans like me had a cornucopia of spoilers and speculations revealing basic character roles and major plot points to Star Wars Episode Seven. The major plot spoiler is there is no Republic yet in the Star Wars galaxy. In fact, the Jedi are being hunted down by Jedi hunters. Some speculate that these Jedi hunters could be a callback to the Sith Inquisitors. There are also reports of Mandalorian and Sith witches. Although there are many groups of adversaries against the Jedi, it is still unclear who the Master Puppeteer is, a Sith pulling all the strings. I have heard speculation that Max von Sydow could be voicing, uh, could be given voice to Darth Plagueis. Han Solo, along with the younger leads, have been given the task to track down and retrieve Luke Skywalker from hiding. I haven't heard Darth Plagueis' name be mentioned too much, but <laughs> I think that'd be a cool if he's somehow involved, but... That's something I haven't heard too many rumors on, and I don't know if it's actually going to be something that'll play out in the actual movie. But I think regardless, seeing the Darth Plagueis standalone movie or involved somehow, shape, or form would be awesome to see. But he goes on to continue, Lupita Nyong'o is reported as having yellow contacts, which could be a clear sign of her being a Sith. Perhaps she is a Knight Sister. Gwendolyn Christie is reported as having black and chrome armor. Perhaps she is a defected Mandalorian or Stormtrooper. The other huge reveal around... Revolves around John Boyega. It was revealed that John was cast as the role of Thomas from the original casting description, and Daisy Ridley as cast was the role of Rachel. From the audition scene, Thomas was rescued from a crash on Tatooine and cared for by Rachel, perhaps the beginning of a romantic relationship between John Boyega and Daisy Ridley. John reportedly did not have a lightsaber in Abu Dhabi, but, but does have a lightsaber in Pinewood, giving more evidence that John is likely the sequel trilogy's version of Luke Skywalker. I am most interested in the philosophy of Luke and the New Jedi Order adapt. What is the paradigm they see the Force through? Will they be allowed or encouraged to have families? Will they accept more grays in Force usage? Luke used dark side powers in Return of the Jedi, Force choking, for example. I think he's talking about the Gamorrean guards being choked yeah. in the Jedi. How will Luke teach the selfless, that selflessness brings life and selfishness brings fear, power, hungriness and or power hungry and destruction how would you answer those questions thanks as always have a great week yeah it kind of goes into a little bit what we're talking about what luke's role is going to be in episode seven and the fact is how much or which way he's going to use the force because i've been speculating about this even before these rumors were coming around that if Luke is going to have a new Jedi Order, it's going to be something that's different than what we saw in the prequels. I personally do think he's going to embrace the more love and attachment aspect and allow his Jedis and himself to have families. I don't know about having more uh, gray in there, like using the dark side and the force choke stuff, but I do think it's going to be different than what we saw in the prequels. Like I said, he's going to embrace the attachment and love that the old Jedi failed to see and realize that it was kind of a downfall because the love that he had for his father is what brought down the Sith, and we'll see how it plays out in rebuilding a new Jedi Order or how it affected his future from Return of the Jedi. But I think it's still going to be a nice balance between the light side and dark side, but at the same time embracing that uh, quality of love more than the prequel Jedi era did. 
Yeah. And, you know, that's uh, something that I'm looking forward to as well. Um, you know, I mean, for one thing, just to see sort of where they go with it. I mean, I don't necessarily have uh, a whole lot of thoughts. Um, you know, I just sort of want to see what they do with it. But I do think, like you said, I think they'll, uh, that Luke will have his Jedi sort of embrace um, love and attachment a little bit more and be a, a little bit less restrictive on it. Because for one thing, I mean, like as you mentioned, um, Luke's love and attachment to his father was what allowed him to redeem him and save the galaxy, basically. But also, I'm sure Luke has probably looked back at uh, the fall of the Republic and realized that the Jedi's restriction on attachment is what caused Anakin's fall to the dark side in the first place. Um, I mean, obviously he's still got anger issues and emotional issues and all that kind of stuff anyways. And still, you know, Palpatine still could have manipulated him into turning to the dark side, but Padme played a huge part in that. And uh, I mean, if you think about like how Anakin's, uh, his whole path could have been different if he and Padme had been allowed to marry and he hadn't tried to keep it a secret and then, uh, you know, when he started having visions that she was going to die, he could have gone and talked to Yoda and Obi-Wan about it and not had to rely on a, a Sith Lord as the only person he could confide yeah. in. So, um, yeah, I'm sure with, with all that said, um, you know, Luke is uh, – I'm sure he's going to take all that into account. Now, uh, something else I was going to mention earlier, I mean, when we were talking about him sort of going off and disappearing and trying to investigate this new threat and everything, something else I would like to see – I mean, even though these rumors are saying, like, there's not going to be a new Republic or a new Jedi Order yet or anything um, – I would like to see Luke have established some sort of Jedi order at this point. I mean, obviously it's not going to be as big as the one was in the prequels or anything. Maybe it's still sort of struggling to get off the ground and these uh, Jedi hunters are still like a major thorn in their side. But I think it would be cool if, um, you know, if Luke has disappeared, but there's another Jedi Knight who Luke has already trained in the meantime, and they're sort of, um, you know, holding down the fort. Like, maybe it's just one Jedi Knight and a few others that they're sort of training, um, but there's one that's sort of, like, training all the others in Luke's absence, and then, um, you know, Luke comes back. Sort of like, I guess you could think of as maybe like a Kyle Katarn kind of figure. Mm -hmm. um, and again, I'm not expecting it to be Kyle Katarn or anything like that, but, just, you know, just sort of like, I, I don't necessarily want Luke to be the only... Jedi in the movie, especially if we're not going to see him for the entire movie. Um, and, you know, it's all about the other characters trying to find him. Like, I mean, the, you've always got to have Jedi in Star Wars. Um, and, you know, there have been plenty of cool stories and everything that didn't center on the Jedi, but at least as far as the main movies, like, I don't know, have we ever gone more than like five or ten minutes in a Star Wars movie without seeing a Jedi, you know? So, um, yeah, even if there's not like a full-fledged Jedi order at the start of Episode Seven, I hope that Luke's not the only Jedi character in the in the story, and I hope there's at least like one or two other Jedi characters that have already been trained by him. Yeah, and also going back to his other question, was saying how will they accept more like using the Force in more gray areas where not necessarily light or dark? That goes back to what we're talking about and the point you brought out when we're having our discussion about the possibility of Luke's story in Episode Seven, where are they going to have to adapt, not necessarily dark side powers, but like you said, gray area stuff where because the threat is so big, they have to kind of take things to another level in order to stop it. Will Luke go down, see, I don't want to say darker path, but a more extreme path than normal and maybe have whatever the Jedi there adopt that too. So again, there's a lot of questions that raise it as far as what Luke's role in the Jedi role in general is going to be in episode seven. Like we have... Like stuff we assumed all along, but now these rumor reports are coming to kind of contradicting that, and we could 
maybe you expect something totally different. So again, <laughs> great questions, Brian, but like I said, there's more stuff to speculate on where we just really don't know for sure how it's all going to play it out. I really think it could go either way. And as we had that great discussions earlier, Kyle, it could be great no matter which way I go, whether it is with the Jedi Order or Luke kind of out doing some training or doing his own thing. There's tons of different possibilities that can make for a great story. So it's just going to be exciting to find out what it actually is when we do get that reveal. And we also got a, another email from Dane, and he goes, Hey guys, this has nothing to do with anything you guys have probably already talked about, but I was wondering, just wondering about this. Let's say the events of the Star Wars movies and the Sorted EU never happened, but the characters and settings magically existed for some reason. Who would you rather live with? Jabba, who isn't the big mobster guy, but would pay for half the utilities, all the rent, and offer you free Wi-Fi. All you have to do is share a room, which is fairly low. Or would you rather live with that snake that lived with Maul that Savage killed? I think his name was Morley, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Yeah. Because Maul wouldn't be there and you'd be living in trash. But all your meals would be free. He will pay for all the utilities. All you have to do is pay the entirety of the rent, which is no more than what you would pay for a studio apartment. He's quiet and keeps to himself, doesn't ask for much as long as you pay the rent on time and wash your own dishes. No dishwasher, though. The only catch is the meals are usually things he finds in the trash, and he has a wife and a three, and three two to four year old snake kids. Who would you rather live with? <laughs> that, that's a question I didn't think we'd ever get asked on the podcast. I was just thinking, like <laughs> I never in a million years thought anyone would ever ask me that question. Um, so, Dane, about. kudos to you for coming up with something completely original. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> they're tough choices, really, but. I think I'm going to have to go with Chaba. I mean, maybe if he's not the mob boss, he could still have his palace that is probably more well-kept than where Morley lived with Darth Maul and trash in that underground cave. So I think I'd go with Chaba. Yeah, I think I would have to too. Because also, I mean, Dane said Morley is quiet and keeps to himself. That is a lie. Morley is always like, hey, where are you going? What are you looking for? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that, that would annoy the crap out of me. And Jabba, you could probably already know he would he's a jerk and would probably kill you if you did something wrong to him. But Morley, he tries to like sweeten you up and act like he's your friend, and then he turns on you like that. So you wouldn't suspect it. Jabba, you'd probably always suspect it, bro. Yeah, exactly. And you know what? Jabba can't sneak up on you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's another plus right there. <laughs> Wait, okay, it all boils down to this. Does the Jabba apartment come with a slave Leia attached to the Jabba? <laughs> <laughs> That the choice is a no-brainer right there. That's well, yeah, especially because then she could choke Jabba out, and then it's just you and Leia. <laughs> and then you live happily ever after. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so we're both definitely going with Jabba on that one. Yeah, yeah. Well, Jabba with an asterisk. It has to come with some some terms and conditions. <laughs> <laughs> but then he uh, finishes his email by saying, but on to more pressing matters. I don't really know if you guys talked about this before, but what, would your, but what would be your reaction if there is a Sith in the new trilogy? Would it lessen the story for you since the Sith were supposed to be wiped out? Or would it be one of those things you'll just, ha you'll just have to be like, whatever? <laughs> Thanks for the great podcast, guys. Well, I think, we, I think we've said plenty of times before, we probably would more than likely not want to see just straight up Sith return. But again, if it's done in a story that makes sense and works throughout the whole saga from episodes one through nine and it just makes total sense when you watch all nine of them together, how they can come back, then I'll be all for it. But it's kind of one of those wait and see if they do go that route. But for right now, I'd still prefer it not, prefer it if they don't go that way, but I wouldn't have a 
horrible reaction where we super disappointed where it just takes me out of the movie or whatever. I'd just be open to what story they're going to tell with it. Yeah. And you know, I would, uh, I guess I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it in the long run if it was like in episode eight or nine, um, especially if any of these rumors about these Jedi hunters are true, where they're sort of trying to carry on the legacy of the Sith and they're trying to, um, you know, keep doing what Palpatine was doing and trying to resurrect the Sith and all that kind of stuff. Um, then, you know, maybe if, um, by like episode eight or nine, maybe they somehow managed to use night sisters, dark magic to resurrect a dead Sith Lord, or they, um, you know, find some long lost Sith Lord on some ancient Sith planet, um, or, you know, maybe some Jedi turns to the dark side and makes, you know, declares himself the new Dark Lord of the Sith. Either way, I mean, as long as there's a, there's a natural built up progression to it, because again, I mean, in the, in the original movies, they went through so much trouble to be like, you know, the chosen one and bring balance to the force and destroy the Sith and all that kind of stuff. So I don't want episode seven to start with just another Sith Lord in control because, that would just like cheapen the other movies for me. So if they're going to bring a Sith Lord back, they have to sort of earn it, I guess, you know, they have to build up to that point and make it feel like, you know, this feels like a, a good villain to go with. Like this needs to be the villain right now. And they couldn't have just picked somebody else. Um, so yeah, in the long run, I think they could, they could build up to that. I don't want to see a Sith Lord in episode seven. And, but something else that was interesting, um, I think maybe you just mentioned this in Brian's email, uh, talking about um, the possibility of Max von Sydow playing Darth Plagueis. And, uh, th I mean, that was something I hadn't heard or thought of before. But it's like, well, if you're going to bring a Sith Lord back to life, it could be the one who devoted his entire life to yeah. studying the Force and midi-chlorians and trying to figure out how to cheat death. So that could be a possibility. And, uh, again, I mean, I've probably talked about before, too, how I don't like when they bring back dead characters to life just to sort of squeeze more out of them. Like, I definitely hope they don't bring back Vader or Palpatine just because, I mean, that would feel like trying to cash in on familiar characters and be like, Oh, Hey guys, look, it's star Wars again. Cause Darth Vader's back. Like Darth Vader's not supposed to be back, but if you're going to bring back any dead character, Plagueis could be one that, uh, you know, it sort of fits within his character and his story arc. Like that's what he was trying to achieve the whole time. So, um, yeah, I mean, basically, I guess my, my, the short answer is I wouldn't mind seeing a Sith Lord if it's done well. And if it's done creatively, um, cause like I said, it, it, I want it to be like built up over time, but also, you know, if it's just a Jedi turning to the dark side, like we've seen before, um, you know, that could be okay, but like we've, we've seen that before. So I would like to see maybe some sort of new and creative way of introducing that. Yeah. My attitude in general is just no matter what we hear beforehand, I'm just going to go into the movie giving every story idea the benefit of doubt until I actually see it. Even if it's something I might not totally be on board with, still going to give it a shot until I'm the movie's over and I walk out and then I have time to think about it. So really say to myself if I liked it or not. So yeah, I probably won't have the definitive answers to that type of stuff until after I see episode seven. <laughs> yeah, same here. But uh, all right, so that's it for the emails, the news stories. I think we're uh, just about done for this episode, right? Yeah, that pretty much covers it. I hope yeah. I piloted the ship well and I didn't crash and I'm 
about to make the last landing, so hopefully we'll make it. <laughs> yeah, well, here we're, we're flying out of the, the tunnel of the Death Star, and the flames are all around us, and... Uh, <laughs> But the radar dish is still on top. You, you didn't knock off my radar dish like Lando did. So, yeah, you did a great job piloting the ship. Um, and I just sat here laughing like that Celestin guy. Um, <laughs> Even after numb. they made it out of the Death Star explosion, his, his laugh was pretty much the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know what that was. But, uh, yeah, anyway, so thank you guys for tuning in. Thanks to Brian and Dane for sending us emails and to all you guys who... Uh, you know, reach out to us on Twitter and Facebook. Um, you know, it's always great to hear from you guys and talk about all these Star Wars rumors and news stories and everything going on. Um, and as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Star Wars TSC. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Star Wars The Saga Continues. And you can send us email at Star Wars TSC at gmail.com. And we will be back with a new episode, hopefully in less time than it took us to do this one because we're at like about two and a half hours of recording time now going over all these stories from the past few weeks and I just haven't had time to sit down and record with this new job and everything but um, yeah, hopefully I'll uh, start getting everything under control in terms of scheduling and all that but hopefully all the rumors and news stories keep coming because and like we said with, with Star Wars you can never have too much good stuff to talk about Oh, and yeah. uh, even though it gets kind of busy and hectic at times, it's like I'd rather have a lot of stuff to talk about than no stuff to talk about. So uh, we definitely look forward to uh, doing a new episode soon for you guys and having lots more stuff to cover. Until then, thanks for listening. May the Force be with you, and we will see you next time. See you next time, everybody. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs>